0: Things are getting a bit spicy up in France. Over 100,000 people were protesting in the streets. Many of them were rioting. A vaccination center was set on fire and several others were vandalized because Emmanuel Macron has introduced a law that if you cannot prove you are vaccinated, you will get up to six months in prison. If you run an establishment open to the public and you do not have, uh, if you are not checking people, if they're vaccinated, you will get up to a year in prison. Well, naturally, people are not happy with this, and uh, I talked about this earlier on on my other channel, but this is, well, COVID cases are on the rise basically everywhere. People are scared of the Delta variant, and now we're seeing draconian measures like in France. Over in Australia, we're getting mixed signals, I suppose. Katie Hopkins has been deported because apparently she broke quarantine or something like that. And a bunch of other celebrities have come in and been given special leeway and special access. But I'm not super concerned necessarily about the double standard at this point, because we know that exists. I suppose I'm more concerned about with whether or not the rise in COVID cases, the Delta variant is going to result in more lockdowns, which Joe Biden says, well, it's not off the table. So we'll talk about this. And we're going to talk a lot about, uh, I guess, why we don't like cities. And we're, we're being, we're being joined by a homesteader and author, Travis Corcoran. Do you want to uh, introduce yourself real sure,
1: quick? Sure. Uh, thanks, Tim. Uh, so I am a homesteader and I am an author. Uh, my day job is, you know, 50 hours a week as a software engineer. Um, and, uh, you know, homesteading is something that, on the one hand, I do on the weekends. That's when I'm out fixing the tractor and planting the pumpkins and butchering the pigs and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, It also impacts one's entire life, sort of Monday through Friday, in that, um, you know, my wife and I talk a lot about how we really love the fact that, you know, 50% of our food comes right off of the farm, and every morning the bacon is from our pigs.
0: Can you pull your mic up a little bit, sorry? Yeah, sure, sorry.
1: Um, And, you know, the eggs are from there, and, uh, you know, when we make whatever, even tacos that's, you know, coming from uh, beef that I've processed. Um, And then there's also a lot of resiliency to living on a homestead, uh, which ties into the whole COVID thing. And, uh, you know, this was... I'm here to some degree to talk about some books that I've written, uh, Escape the City Volumes 1 and 2. And uh, the timing was perfect on this because when COVID hit, you know, a whole lot of people in the cities, their lifestyles just, you know, turned tar- uh, terrible. And there's obviously the whole real estate realignment that's going on right now where real estate prices are absolutely crashing in every city core. And you're seeing, you know, huge price run ups in other places as, you know, half the country redistributes where it wants (laughs) to live. They're fleeing the city. Right. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, And so uh,
0: it's good to hear that they're taking uh, Jack Posobiec's advice and uh, my advice.
1: Right. And your advice. Escape the city. (laughs) Hopefully. Uh, The Kickstarter did well and the book's now up on Amazon. So uh, the advice is there for anyone who wants it.
0: We're going to talk a lot about what's going on with this lockdown stuff. I mean, this this stuff in France is is absolutely draconian, but then uh, uh, an optimistic solution. Cause I've been, I've been saying this a long time, like, I, I actually was saying this today, it's so amazing, I'm looking out my window and I'm recording these videos, forest. Mm-hmm. There's like deer running around, they're doing deer stuff. And then I see him like going for the pawpaw and I'm like getting nervous, like, oh, they're going to take it. But apparently it's, it's, don't have to worry because they're not ripe yet. So the deer won't go near them. I just got to make sure we get them before the deer take them.
2: But it's a lot of fun. So we'll talk about this stuff. Uh, Ian's chilling. Yeah. I was out in the woods over the weekend. I think it was over the weekend picking some wine berries and man, I was getting scratched up by the brambles, getting my hair cut in the oh, twigs nice. and it felt great. I felt <laughs> alive. I felt connected with nature. I felt like it was enhancing my immune system by giving me just a little bit of those cuts, you know, mm. a little bit of that dirt. Just as long as you had washed it off. Then I went and took a shower. <laughs> in the house. What up, everybody? Yeah.
3: And I am also here. I did not go out and find wine berries, but I'm really excited to try this wine wine once it's done. I'm really curious what it tastes wine, like. Wine
0: wine. So wine yeah. berries are a local uh, – well, actually, they're not local. They're an invasive huh. Asian uh, variant of uh, raspberries, and they're everywhere in Appalachia. So you drive down the road, and you see red berries everywhere. They're amazing. They're you great. just pop them right off. And so we're going to make a little bit of wine. Wine, I'm super excited. Yeah, you, just... you
1: have better invasive species here in uh, the Maryland DC area than we have up in New Hampshire. We've oh. got Japanese knotweed and uh, bittersweet, and I am out there, you know, every weekend with a, a pick and shovel digging that stuff Jeez. up. And
0: I, I, it. You know, at first we, we have stink bugs too, oh. and they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. They're they're insane. And at first, I was upset about it. Then we got chickens. Mm. Now, now it's like, ooh, a stink bug. Like Pretty food good. for the chickens. Right. Yeah. And they love the little things, man. So we'll, we'll, we'll get into all that stuff, but we're going to start with, we're going to start dark and then move into the, the more optimistic. Before we do, head over to timcast.com, my friends. We have a very brand new website that is finally up. Actually went up on Saturday. That surprised me. I was like, it's going to be Monday, yeah. but it'll probably be late and it goes up on Saturday. Uh, obviously there are some bugs we're launching it is now the official beta because we're in alpha so you may encounter some bugs but uh, trust me we are working around the clock to make sure it works properly we got the the, the brand new news section tons of articles are going up we're doing an obs- like we have a lot of news being published we're gonna be hiring more people as a member you'll get access to the members only segment we'll have a bonus members only podcast coming up after the show it goes up around 11 or so p.m so make sure you sign up and don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, hit that notification bell, even though it probably doesn't do anything, and uh, share the show with your friends. It's the most important thing. Instead of us spending all this money on marketing, which we don't have, like, you know, CNN puts up billboards and buys airtime in airports, of which I guess they don't do anymore. We just rely on word of mouth. So with your support, thank you very much. Go to TimCast.com. Now, let's read this first story and talk about what's going on. We got this from TimCast.com. Oh. Australia sends mixed signals on who is permitted to enter the country, deports Katie Hopkins. They say despite a uh, permitting the arrival, despite permitting the arrival of celebrities, come on, Tim Cast, get a copy editor. The government has <laughs> not brought home 40,000 Australians. Now, the article basically goes on to mention that there are many celebrities flying in, like, you know, uh, you've got so what they say, Nicole Kidman flew in, you have Lachlan Murdoch and uh, um, Keith Urban, where among the elite group have been allowed to travel back to the country via private plane. They were also permitted to quarantine at their private homes. They go on to mention, that, uh, where's, there we go. British commentator Katie Hopkins, who was also in Australia to film Big Brother, was deported for comments she made online about breaking the quor- uh, country's quarantine regulations. So we've seen a lot of this lockdown stuff going on. And now, uh, basically the story is Australia is prolonging its COVID 19 lockdown in Victoria amid the Delta outbreak. So this is the excuse by which they're saying everyone's got to quarantine again if you're flying into the country. And it kind of, um, I got I got to say it is it is awfully convenient if you are a proponent of the great reset are you familiar with the great reset Oh absolutely reset? it's it's awfully uh, um, fortuitous I suppose for those who are fans of the great reset and who, those who have advocated for it that uh we can't travel to places anymore that people are deported if they you know they, they break quarantine I get it the country has laws Australia's allowed to deport who they want I suppose but now they're prolonging this now there's fears of 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 uh, you know the delta uh, the delta variant outbreak and I'm just, you know, I'm curious. You, you mentioned um, in the in the intro we're talking about people fleeing these cities. Mm-hmm. What's your, what, what's your uh, I guess, your prediction on where we go Sure.
1: Um, you, you know, I've got some thoughts about the current month and the current year, uh, but we were talking before the show rolled about, you know, I, I think the world is changing in a really fundamental and big way and the kind of thing that you don't see every year. I mean, sure, things change, you know, one year and the next. Uh, but you know, I, I think that every 500 years or so, things really, really change, and we saw that you know uh, around 500 years ago with the invention of the printing press, which led to the rise of Protestantism and religious wars, and then eventually the Westphalian nation states coming up and replacing feudalism. And you know, I think the internet and the new modes of communication technology right now are you know, and, and this isn't a story from like last year or two years. It's you know, the, the 30 years, 50 years, but the world is really changing fundamentally, and I think we're going to see changes at about the same scale. So. I think that people are escaping the cities right now and that's going to accelerate over the coming years. Uh, but that's just one component of a much bigger change in currency and lifestyles and economies and how, you know, states and people are organized on the planet.
0: Do you think it's, uh, Intentional, Like there are people who are actively yeah, trying um, to so kill
1: off cities? Obviously, well, you know, th- there's intention out there and there's emergent stuff. I don't think that the elites uh, who are pushing the Great Reset and the whole, you know, live in the pod, eat the bugs, uh, want people to escape the cities. You know, they're saying, hey, uh, you know, our system is already 80% uh, along and we just need to tune it a little more. We need, you know, more green energy, even though windmills are sort of a terrible technology and nuclear is much better. And we need more sustainable foods. And by sustainable, they're always talking about bugs. uh (laughs) And never about, you know, raising pigs and chickens and, you know, eating uh, wine berries. No, they're they're saying
0: not to eat pigs and chickens. Right, right. They're saying to eat the bugs. Right, right. Did Um, did you see that story out of Leesburg, Virginia, where the, the, the guy was serving cicadas? I did but not. He was like going into his, like his, <laughs> his side of his house and picking them off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I guess the health department was uh-huh. like, dude, you can't pick bugs off the side <laughs> of your house you and serve it to people. <laughs> uh huh. So he had to, he ordered cicadas. Right. And now I'm like, but for, I, I, th- I guess they were from China. Huh. So it clearly defeats the purpose right, of right. eating <laughs> sustainable bugs from the floor. <laughs> Ship them in by there air you. or something Yeah, else. right.
1: <laughs> Just eat the centipedes. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, you were, I don't know. Oh, uh, so, um, I, I, think your question was, was this intentional to get people to flee the cities? And I think what's intentional is the great reset, the whole endless propaganda about how eating bugs and your lifestyle is going to be different and you're not going to own anything. You're going to rent, uh, everything. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that a lot of that is intentional, but I think that we're to some degree seeing the last gasp of the current system, uh, sort of like, you know, the Soviets around 1985. Um, the current elites have run out of any energy. I mean, the Soviets motivated their people, you know, it was a terrible system, but there was actual, um, grassroots enthusiasm. When you bring rural electrification to people, you know, they're going to like that even if you're doing other terrible things. When you educate the sons of dirt farmers, they're going to like that, um... And so the Soviets had some innate uh, momentum for decades, and then eventually they just played out everything they could do. And then, you know, they're talking about the 18th five-year plan in, you know, yeah. 1986 or something, and everyone knew it was a joke. And the Soviets in the system said, you know, they pretend to pay us and we pretend to work. And uh, I, I think that, you know, the last bastion of centrally planned uh, communism is, you know, here in the West. Uh sort what is, what is, what is that I mean I'm I'm joking a little bit and making a reference to sort of uh Menchus, Moldbug Curtis Yarvin stuff. But um, no, but you mean mm-hmm.
0: to say like the current system we're under mm-hmm. everybody knows it's a joke and I think Exactly, and that's I think where I was going. You you're
1: know. you're right. Right. Um you know uh you know, we've got, and, and don't worry, I know what one can say and not say, um, but we've got a Democratic Party, uh, the Republican Party ceased to be able to put forward any candidates of its own sort of ideology, and the Democratic uh, Party has sort of entirely run out of steam where they're putting forward these candidates who, it's inevitable because it's their time, and you get these, you know, sort of absolute laughing stocks, <laughs> Hillary
3: Clinton. Right,
1: right, um, so, and, you know, uh, Joe Biden, God help him, does not seem to have all of his marbles, uh, in one place. Um, He's got like two
3: marbles right, left. Right, <laughs> right. You know,
1: and it's a tragedy. Um, but this is the last gasp of the system, you know, and so they pretend to have a president and, you know, we pretend to respect the system. And, uh, I think that things are changing. Um, I, I,
0: I like that joke. You know, they, they pretend to pay us. We pretend to work. Mm-hmm. They pretend to have a president. I think the sad thing is, yeah, it's paper thin. Yeah. You know, yeah. there, there, there is a presidential administration. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden is, Fumbling, bumbling, mm-hmm. Joe, Trinidad and Chapada pressure, Batacath care. And, you know, one thing that I've brought up on the show, uh, frequently is that when he speaks, it's very obvious he's not talking to half the country. Right. He'll, when he, he makes references to COVID, when he makes references to law, they've basically cut off right. in terms of their, there was a point where they were like, you know, we want to try and make sure we're getting to the other side to win those votes. Now they're like, we don't even care. Yeah. yeah. We don't
2: we, don't care about those we votes We saw in the 1900s, 20th century, the, the, the fall of, like, centrally planned economies very clearly. And now I think we're up against the centrally planned law lawyering system. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how we can – I like how you said poly – as opposed to decentralized, mm-hmm. polycentric mm-hmm. law. And how we would do that. While maintaining a union. Right. How do you foresee that? Uh, I'm not sure we maintain a
1: union. I mean, mm. um, you know, every system lives for as long as it lives. Uh, back in college, I double majored as computer science, but also Roman history. Oh. And um, one of my professors, I think Barry Strauss, had a, a wonderful um, last lecture in the semester one year. And, uh, you know, he was talking about the parallels between the Roman system and the American system. And, uh, you know, he said a few things that, you know, every country ends eventually – Uh, But also its forms linger on after the reality of it has died and uh you know a, a lot of people um you know sort of red gray tribe will say you know you know America's gone so far off the rails but we'll get it back and I'm like you know dude I think America ended somewhere between 10 and 50 years ago and right now you know we still have the form of it some it, some people argue it ended with the federal reserve I think that's you know I I don't particularly have the federal reserve bug um that that you know that explains oh. everything hmm. um but uh, <laughs> but, I, but I can get along with those guys um you know I I think that uh there's good arguments that um Oh gosh, um, not Coolidge. Anyway, I'm blanking in my early oh, Woodrow 20s. Wilson. Yes, thank you very mm-hmm. much, sir. Um, and there's another argument to go further back that Abraham Lincoln. And you know, even if freeing the slaves was a wonderful ideal. Uh, it's interesting how every other country on the planet managed to free its slaves without having a war and killing 3% of its population.
0: Yeah, and many before us. Yeah. Like the, the British Empire. Exactly. Perfect uh, example. Uh, Great Britain proper, I think, mm-hmm. was in the 1700s. Yep. What was it like 73 or something or 75?
1: Uh, I would have early thought early. it was later than that, but I'll trust your number.
0: I could be wrong. I mm. know that the in, in the greater Commonwealth, it was 1833. I could, right, I, I could right. be wrong. That, that's,
1: that's the number I had in my head. It's yeah. funny
2: because they freed their slaves, <laughs> but they still have like colonized India. Completely right. so.
1: Right, <laughs> right, right. You know, and, and the United States is an example of that. But, I'm, um, you know, w- we talk about, you know, we're this exemplar for all mankind this wonderful free society where anybody can do anything, you know, as long as it's in the properly approved narrow uh, set of things that are good and free, not, you know, terrible bad things like, you know, uh, going to church and having old fashioned ideas or owning firearms or anything. Um, and yet we have this crazy system where members of both parties sort of support this imperial warmongering system where we're fighting in, you know, 30 or 40 different countries. Uh So we've got this representative government and all these freedoms at home to some degree, while simultaneously we have, you know, absolute, you know... Uh, um, on, What is the word I'm looking for? Uh, Unf- without, unfettered? Yes, un, unfettered. That'll do. Uh, you know, we have this effect of war on anyone we want to, and there's no checks and balances, and there's no it's, civil rights.
0: It's crazy to me how at a certain point, the United States, the, the politicians stopped actually – implementing policy in this country and mm-hmm. it was actually an argument over what we should be doing overseas right and we had a long period of that from my I mind mean, look i can't argue for uh, about what happened before i was born mm-hmm. but i know most of my life was just a whole lot of arguing about what we're gonna do to other people right. elsewhere right and i long complained i'm like everybody's coming out talking about these pipes in flint mm-hmm. which which now i believe are fixed but i'm mm-hmm. like how much money do we spend in Afghanistan building roads and building schools? Right. So it's it's weird to me that the answer to a lot of what the left was complaining about was simply that we focus on America first, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is controversial I guess for some strange reason. But I, but I want to I want to go back to this point about uh you know Katie Hopkins in Australia because you mentioned there might not be a union. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if these 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 countries are effectively shutting their borders off. Mm-hmm. They're making it much much more difficult for anyone to come in. What is it going to look like if if the United States isn't even going to be a union. But then it's already hard enough for people to
1: travel. It feels like Everybody is becoming more isolationist. Yeah. Um you know, so there's an interesting thing where things are getting physically more isolated, you know, in, in the physical realm of where can you go at the same time that distance is becoming less important. And this is the whole sort of Lexus in the olive tree thesis that, you know, the world is getting flat and you know, you can source parts from wherever and you can uh, you know, I, I work for a startup that doesn't have a physical location. We're decentralized and we've got people, you know, all the way from Italy over to Japan. So we've just got this sort of weird rolling twenty hour clock. Um but, you know, this gets to what I was saying earlier about, uh, you know, every 500 years or so, maybe there's a deep fundamental change in how society is structured. Now, getting to COVID, I think that this is a short-term problem. There's, you know, we sequenced uh, COVID-19 in very short order, and we came up with a uh, immunization for it in, you know, 48 hours. And the only thing that stood in the way was the old, you know, nation states and the FDA and the CDC uh, you know, doing things like taking four day weekends uh, mm-hmm. during the emergency where you can count the number of people dying per day. But they're so entrenched in the sort of 1970s Soviet bureaucratic thing of, oh, we've all got to get out to our dotches. You know, th- this is, you know, Soviet Pioneer Day. You can't expect us to work and save lives then. So I, I think that's proof that the system is absolutely exhausted and it's just ready for people to stop believing it.
0: When you look at the sheer tribalism, You know, like I mentioned, and and, and many people have mentioned, Joe Biden seems to only be talking to one side of the country at this Mm -hmm. point because they've basically resigned themselves. Okay, we can't win them over. It's Mm -hmm. over. We're done. We're done talking. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the, the tribalism has reached absolutely absurd levels. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like that right now that people are people are circulating these old tweets from 2020 of Kamala Harris and like Daily Coast writing about vaccine skepticism mm-hmm. and they're saying like who would take Trump's vaccine and now <laughs> right. they're the ones screaming like why won't Trump supporters take the right, vaccine right absolutely yeah people are absolutely aligned i i, I got to say you know perhaps i'm just biased but i think it is fair to say that it is indi- it is it is uh the rule For the establishment left, but the exception for the right in Mm -hmm. general. So leftists kind of overlap with a lot of the establishment Democrats. But you look at you mentioned the Republican Party and and their, you know, forever war kind of stuff, too.
1: I want to make clear that I don't think that's just the Republicans. I mean, both parties oh, course, love them forever. Work. But I will
0: say, like I think, as as another sign of the of of the collapse or the decay or the change, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, is Donald Trump's storming into the Republican Party and mm-hmm. forcing
1: dramatic changes. Right. And Trump no, he, supporters, he, he couldn't have done that in 1980 or 1984. Right. You can't uh, one man with a bunch of bombast can't knock over a healthy system. But.
0: The Trump supporters I, – I don't know if you, you – did you hear what Michael Moore said back in 2016?
1: I think I did. I remember being shocked that he was sort of intellectually honest about it for the yeah, first time. I had yeah, yeah. It, it, it
0: was brilliant. He basically said that Trump was one of the only people advocating for these, these factories. Mm-hmm. He goes to these auto manufacturers and said, I will I will tear a few 30 percent if you try and move these cars out mm-hmm. of America. And, and then he, Michael Moore said – the workers look at Donald Trump like a, like a human Molotov cocktail mm-hmm. and they are going to send the biggest F you to the establishment <laughs> the world has ever heard and they yep. are going to enjoy it. The one thing he got wrong was he was like, it'll feel good for a week mm-hmm. or a month. I felt good maybe for four, four years. Year. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It felt good for a lot of people for a while. Uh-huh. So I think that's one of the big changes to the Republican party. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, uh, so just to, to address that point on the left, you have many people who are, it's, it's, it's crazy
1: how, they can't remember what they said last year. You know, I, uh, started flipping back through 1984 recently, and everyone's read 1984, and, and there's a problem with reading things. You tend to boil them down to an essence or, or a logo or something, and, and things in the world, books, uh, novels, people, uh, have a whole lot of complexity. So, to actually go back and look at 1984, um, it's, not just sort of a stand-in or a stereotype or a glyph that stands for repressive totalitarianism. There's a lot of detail there. And the detail about how the party just changes the line and everyone, you know, switches oh, on a amazing. dime. Hmm. And this is what we're seeing. Um, you know, last year, you know, I, I was one of these internet autists who was paying attention to China in very, very early January. And I think it was late January when, you know, I, I started tweeting my 10,000. You know, I'm talking to Tim Pool about I've got 10,000 followers on Twitter. <laughs> um, but I, I said, you know, guys, now is the time to start packing uh stockpiling stuff. And people said, you know what? And I said, you know, I don't know that, you know, if it's surfaces, but start getting latex gloves in case it does turn out to be surfaces. I don't know if it's airborne, but definitely start getting masks, you know, P90, P95. Start laying in food. I'm, I'm not saying there will be supply chain disruptions, but when you don't know. And at that time, the left and – uh Oh, gosh. What was he? Uh, Ezra. Um, Ezra Klein? Yes. Thank you. I think it was uh-huh. either Ezra Klein or if it wasn't Ezra Klein, it was one of the other Ezra Kleins. was absolutely poo-pooing this idea of, you know, masks do nothing. And even if they do anything, you should leave it for the professionals. There's no reason to have a mask. And the fear that you'll generate, that's the real danger. And then they all pivot on a dime when, you know, the new line comes down from the, you know, th- there used to be journalist, if you're familiar with that, you know, 10 or whatever. The journalist. The journalist. Oh yeah, there's and, more
0: than people know, man. Right,
1: and, and so certainly there are dozens more journalists, and when you see... Well, the- so
0: well, well, let's, let's break that down real quick. Sure. He's not saying journalist, he's saying journo hyphen list. This was, I think, Ezra Klein made this, right? Mm-hmm. I believe it, so. it was a, it was a Facebook group where all of these different journalists from different organizations were on th- one community group together. So one person would come in and say X happened, and then every single journalist would, you know, in this group would see it. So they were all wrapped up in the exact same bubble narrative, completely there, oblivious to the outside world.
1: There's a wonderful video on YouTube um, that shows. Uh, some people on a cable channel reading out a prepared statement and like every five second it switches to a different cable channel and the statement continues seamlessly because this was literally a memo that came down from corporate and they wanted every local affiliate to do it. Journalist was effectively the same thing, but there wasn't a corporation at the top. There was just this little plate or file or hive of journalists and they had Tamara's bullet points every day.
0: What people don't realize about that is there wasn't one journal list. There was probably ten thousand. Right, I was personally on several of them. Yeah, I think I, I worked. still am on one. <laughs> I was on. A, I was on. There, there were a bunch of different ones. There was one that was about. It was like uh, um citizen journalist centric. So it was basically a, t- ten or twenty thousand people with several who were very active and many who just followed. And they would post things, and they would all see it. And then, sure enough, these articles pop up everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I do want to. With with that being said, go back to the point you were making about uh, you know it's time to prepare. It's time to buy supplies, mm-hmm. because. Early, early on last year, you know, we, we have one one of the sponsors we often do is for a a food bucket. Awesome. uh, Safe and ready meals. Mm -hmm. This is not, I'm not promoting them. I'm just mentioning that we have promoted them in the Mm -hmm. past. And this is like a 25 year food bucket. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I don't, I don't like doing promos like legit people, like I'll get sent like, Hey, Tim, would you want to advertise for this? And I'm Mm -hmm. like, no, I I can't do that company. You know, like I have to actually think there's utility there. And so this company I thought was actually fantastic Mm -hmm. because the way I describe it to people is, you know, you've got a first aid kit, right? Do oh, <laughs> I've got multiple first aid right, kits. Right, how many? But,
1: uh, I don't know, four or five, including trauma bandages. Um, I go into that in my books in that, uh, you know, I've got a small first aid kit in my workshop. I've got a beefier first aid kit in my chainsaw supplies. Yes. Right, I now, 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 here's a question, though. <laughs> sure. How often do you use them? Uh You know, there's sort of the 80-20 rule or the power law in that, you know, I probably cut my fingertips or something every, you know, two weeks or so. I I think I actually did it. Once every two weeks? Yeah. You might need a bandage. Right. How often do
0: you eat food? Right. (laughs) Yeah. You know, three times a day. I think you eat food. Yes. Three (laughs) times a day. And so it was crazy to me that, you know, that that there's this negative connotation, uh, this negative perspective on having emergency food or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you should have a thing of water, food, and a first aid kit. And, and, you know, you look at what happened with there was around the time—actually, I, I don't remember when this was. There was flooding in Houston. Do you mm-hmm. know, it was really, Absolutely. really bad. And I'm like, some of these people are, like, trapped in their houses for mm-hmm. a long period of time. You're going to be happy. You can crack open that freeze-dried, sealed bag, and mm-hmm. now you're going to need some power to, to, to boil the water and stuff like that, you know. But I, I look at it like—it was strange to me that the establishment doesn't prepare for anything. Right. You know, you you mentioned they turn in a dime. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the party says, so be it, and they all just agree— and they're all in this mentality that no matter what happens they will always be safe and that to me is insane absolutely i look you know you know what i think here's what i always say about buying beans and rice or these emergency food kits if you're in your absolute worst case scenario okay admittedly your worst case scenario you have food right I, you know but in the absolute best case scenario you literally you just eat it Yeah. Like, I I used to say, look, worst case scenario, just eat the food, right? And then Mm -hmm. I realized, no, the worst case scenario would be the actual apocalypse, and Mm -hmm. then you'll eat the food. Right. But if you buy these things, and then nothing happens... I, I, the other day, I just cracked an open and made some stroganoff. It was mm-hmm. delicious. Put some chicken in there and some spices.
1: And I've absolutely done the same thing. Not recently, but, uh, you know, I've had a, a pile, of, you know, one, one or two boxes of MREs sitting around the house forever since, you know, shortly after I got out of college. <laughs> and, uh, you know, every now and then you'd be sort of working late and suddenly it's uh, 10 o'clock and there's no food in the fridge and there's no takeout. And, you know, I, I've eaten an MRE at 1030 in the evening more yeah. than once. So. Yeah.
0: You know, it's not something you want to eat all the time, right. but they're not
1: bad. Yeah, it's good self-limiting in that way. You're never going to be tempted to eat up all of yeah. your own us <laughs> Well, let's talk, let's talk
0: about this. You know, right now, you, you mentioned uh, in the previous segment... That's, we could be coming to this five year, mm-hmm. 500 year end cycle. I mean, yep. you've heard of the fourth turning. I uh, yep, yep. Thucydides trap, and now we've got that MIT study that everyone's talking about. Mm-hmm. 2040, the clash is coming or whatever.
1: The, there's yet another one. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce the word, but it's like Korolev wave theory. Um, oh, no. and, We should uh, add it to the
0: list. We can, we can <laughs> talk about that
1: one. You know, I, I think I ended up picking this up from, uh, uh an, interstitial essay in a book of uh john barnes short stories like 30 years ago um and the idea is that there's a bunch of different ways of sort of sinusoids and some have four-year uh, cycles another 12 and you know at some point if you've ever you know taken calculus or done a for a you know decomposition of something uh you get a whole bunch of curves and they start to peak up at certain points and um you know, the theory is that all of these curves are going to peak, uh, you know, sometime way off in the far future, like 2025 or something. And, and you know, this theory is written down in the 70s or 80s. And uh, I, I think we're seeing a lot of it come true. You know, stuff is getting crazy.
0: So do you think, you know, you mentioned last year you said people should buy stuff. Yeah. You're talking, what, what would you say right now? Do you think people should be stocking up or something like that? Um, let me back I, I always up a little bit and say. Avoid you know, panic, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary Void We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Panic never helps anything. Um, I think that anti-fragility is a good thing. Yeah. Sort of Love that and, idea. Um, and so, you know, people ask, are you a prepper? I'm like, well, you know, I'm not prepared to survive the zombie apocalypse. I don't want to survive a nuclear war. Um, you don't want to. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm saying maybe for humor. I'd, I'd rather not die if there is a nuclear war. Um, but the point is, all sorts of things happen, and it's always better to be prepared for them. One thing I talk about, just, you know, this isn't a survivalist or a prepper book, um, and I've got some sort of anti-prepping thoughts. And that's an Escape from the City. Right, a, a Escape from the City. And uh, this is a recent homesteading uh, book that I wrote. I've been on the homestead for eight years. And there's two volumes, Volume 1 and Volume 2. Wow. And uh, it's basically one long book, about 1,300 pages long. Wow. And and the, uh, you know, and it's, it's sort of massive in the amount of detail inside.
3: Uh, oh, you know, cool. the
1: table of contents alone is 30 pages. So if you've got any Whoa. interest in homesteading or uh, prepping, um, I recommend picking it up. Uh, it's Escape the City. It's on Amazon. And you can just Google they, it. They made prepping a dirty word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the problem with anything is that it gets an ideological stink. Um, and so there's always this constant recycling of language, whether it's the name of for a minority or, um, a, you know, intellectually challenged person or a hobby, you know. Uh, um, and so, you know, prepping... Uh, there, there's always uh, an impetus in the media to find someone and point at them and laugh, and then everyone laughs along with you. And, you know, sort of the journalist goes out that we all agree as a society that, you know, preppers or furries or whatever, you know, we can punch down at them because they're a bunch of weirdos uh, in the same way that we're punching down at people who were buying masks last January. So anyway, um, my, my thoughts about prepping are there's a power law in that absolute huge catastrophic things happen very very rarely but sort of very small annoyances happen more often so if someone says you know i, I want to be prepared what should i do should i get a zombie hunter extreme machete should i get a long-range <laughs> sniper rifle i'm mm-hmm. like you know maybe you should get 500 dollars in the checking account because uh you know people get laid off like once every five years so you're going to be laid off from your job you know in the next five years certainly in the next 10 years so lock down how you're going to survive that without you know losing your lifestyle um you know, people lose their power once every 10 or 15 years. Plan for that. And that's not expensive. You get a $500 generator, a $300 transfer switch. Um, but then you, you keep going out on these things, and they're less and less uh, frequent. Um, but the chance, you know, hopefully we'll all live to be 70 or 80 or 90. And a thing that only happens once every 15 years, that's going to happen to you several times in your life. And we in the West, we've been, you know, rich and protected by oceans. And so we've been uh, very, you know, blessed and we've not had a lot of the bad stuff that normal people have at the same rate that they have it. But I wrote this book starting several years ago. And one thing I said is, hey, we get plagues about once every hundred years. We had the Spanish flu in 1918 and I went back several other plagues. So you should be prepared because there's a decent chance that there'll be a plague in your lifetime. Um
0: you hear about uh this this story happened several years ago there was an algal bloom mm-hmm. in the great lakes mm-hmm. and within 40 what, which is toledo on the lake i can't remember which city it was like western ohio but is on Cleveland's one of the great lakes. on the lake cleveland um, sandusky's on the lake there was within 40 miles i guess of all these cities mm-hmm. no drinking water wow because what happened was as soon as the news broke as soon as people found out mm-hmm. they immediately started raiding yep. local stores for bottled water and moving further and further out to get more and right. more water and then
1: within 40 miles mm-hmm. no water. You what know, do you drink? My wife made a really interesting point that one of the reasons to prep is not because it's the only way to get the supplies. The reason to prep is so that you don't have to make terrible trade-offs when you need the supplies. Um and you know the terrible trade-off could be as simple as paying 10 dollars a gallon for gasoline to run your generator uh, or it could be a lot worse. And I mean, you know, uh, people, especially women in refugee camps yeah. all the time have to make terrible trade-offs. I, you know,
2: I went crazy with vinegar and mm-hmm. salt. <laughs> People are laughing at honey. He did, he did, honey? Yeah. Like, like 100 pounds of uh-huh. honey. Because if it does go down, I want to provide it for the neighbors. Mm, I want right. the entire community well, well, to be preserved as much as possible so awesome. that we can barter. Yeah. So that if they have all the ammo, if they have, you know, whatever, well, so, we can so all kind of come together. And those things become extremely valuable. Ian in bought an absurd amount of salt, vinegar, and honey. Never go bad. Yep. And we laugh
0: mostly at the vinegar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most of the vinegar. Because, like... I don't know what mm-hmm. what it's what you do with it. However, I do understand it can be used for a lot of chemical processes. So what's a funny idea that you'd have so much vinegar because how often do you really use it right. in some recipes? But in actuality,
2: it it lasts forever, doesn't it? As far as I know, yeah, it
1: does. And I'm going to yeah. jump in and defend Ian because when you've got vinegar, <laughs> you can pickle anything. That's true. So when your harvest comes in all over four weeks, but you want to store it for the winter, you know, just pile that under vinegar. And is that uh, all you do?
0: You just put vinegar? Yeah. I yeah. thought you needed brine.
1: Uh, brine is salt. So Ian's covered there. I, as no, well. exactly.
0: That's so. Yeah, I mean, honey never goes bad, right? Right. Salt crystallizes. Is, is, salt is is you definitely need salt. Like. You know, where, where, where would you get your salt in your diet if you're, you know, in an area like this, you know, in Appalachia
1: is is salt
0: naturally occurring
1: or what, Uh, you know, (laughs) you know, if there was a disaster or something and you had to improvise, uh, I would go with road salt. But other than that, you know, you're going to be trading, oh, wow. uh, people Jeez, who are, you know, yeah.
2: bringing in salt from the ocean. Salt was the currency at yeah, one absolutely. point, five, six thousand years ago. I, 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 from I was, the Latin.
0: I was thinking about this earlier because we bought some deer salt licks. Oh yeah. You just, you know, chuck them out and yep. leave on them or something. And I see the deer is going nuts from, because mm-hmm. there's no salt. Right, right. And so the deer, when they find salt, they, it's, it, there's a warning on it saying, make sure you put out several, otherwise the deer will fight each other mm-hmm. to it get work. it. Because there's no salt. So imagine if you didn't have salt. Yep. See, this is the crazy thing people don't realize. And, and, and even, you know, we, we get out of the city, we're in the middle of nowhere. People still don't realize that we're dependent on so much, like oh my gosh, vitamin yeah. C, for instance. Mm-hmm. I don't know where we would source vitamin C out here. We could probably try and grow some stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe because we're more modernized, we can grow stuff indoors and try and grow some citrus or something. But uh, where would we get vitamin C? What's your recommendation
3: on um, that?
1: For that, I, I again, I'm not a super prepper, but uh, rose hips have vitamin C, and we have oh, really. roses in the yard, so yeah, uh, you know, got, got it, wild rose roses. Hips yeah, just eat a bunch of roses. Yeah, wow, boiled yeah. into tea. Yep, That'd absolutely be a good way to do
2: it. Can you uh, boil grass? Can you work with gra- grass for food? <sighs> I know you can't eat it directly because uh, of the s- excessive I, cellulose. Yeah,
1: I don't, I don't think there is many calories in grass. <laughs> uh, I, I would feed grass to my sheep and then eat the sheep. So <laughs> that would <work>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's Chicken. the easiest way to do it. Chickens Chick- eat grass. Yes, they do. But they can't su- 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 uh, su- subsist off of grass, right? Um, you know, chickens, uh, will get a lot of their calories from bugs and worms. Yeah. Um, and so we've got our chickens in a pen, but there's a thing that a lot of people do, which is a chicken tractor. And that has nothing to do with a diesel powered tractor. <laughs> it's basically a mobile pen with wheels on it. And the idea is that you put your chickens in this pen and then you just go out and either with your riding mower or your tractor or just by hand, you move it 10 or 15 feet a day. Chicken city on wheels. Exactly. Yes! Exactly. Yeah.
0: We, people have recommended it. And, yeah. uh, I've heard that people will put it over where they want to farm. Right. Let right. the chicks t- chickens tear it up, then move it, and then you can plant stuff right. in it, and they well, fertilize
1: it. So, so I've got a thought about this, and this is something I go into my book. Um, there's some utility in this. You know, uh, chickens are great. Pigs are great. Uh, I don't have pigs this year, but in general, I have pigs like every other year. But people sometimes want to say, oh, man, you know, and this is sort of like after a deep bong hit. You know, the system, you know, nature <laughs> gives you everything you need, man. The pigs will furrow, you know, they'll turn up the soil for you so you don't need to till. And there, there's a little bit of truth here, but there's a whole lot more wishful thinking. And I've never uh, seen anyone who um, says that pigs will till your soil who actually have their own pigs. <laughs> it's uh, to some degree wishful thinking.
0: So the pigs are no good.
1: Uh, pigs are great, <laughs> um, but pigs do not replace uh, tractors or rototillers or plows. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So if, if uh, you know, what, what should the average person be buying like in right. time? right? Uh, well, let me, let me slow down. We we were previously talking about a, a dramatic change in that in the right. system. Let's start from there. What, sure. What, what does this change look like? Do you think right. we, we've talked a lot about like balkanization? Yeah. Where where the and, and I want to be clear on this. It's like the political factions mm-hmm. basically choose their specific region and, the, and they they break apart and move. Do you think it's something like that? What do you think we're right. looking at?
1: Um, so you know, first of all, I don't want to really be certain about this. Um, I always find people who are absolutely certain to be a little you know have got a head scratching attitude about that. That you know I don't know, man. You haven't seen the future. Um, But I think the interesting thing about information technology, whether we're talking about the Gutenberg press or whether we're talking about, you know, TCPIP or Twitter or whatever, is that it connects people who are further and further apart with lower and lower latency. So if you want to look at, like, 1776, um, you know, people in different towns in Massachusetts had a lot more in common with each other than they had with people back in, you know, Wales or, you know, um, various parts of England because they could only communicate with a few letters, you know, with a latency of six months or so. And so that made it very easy for the regions to sort of grow apart and have their own uh, political cultures. And the weird thing about the high-speed connection we have is that we have, you know, uh, Two tribes, obviously, red and blue, but then a lot more tribes, you know, if, if you go to, you know, some furry yellow. fandom thing. Right, <clears throat> yellow. You know, you, you pick anything, whether it's, you know, Mustang, uh, engine, you know, modification community, or whether it's uh, preppers, or whether, you know, it's anything. Guns. Yeah. You'll find that these tribes are geographically distributed. Um, so I think that we might be headed to a world where the Westphalian nation state, where all of the nations have crisp little borders around them is perhaps fading and we're going to a new world where the tribes are interleaved and distributed across and
2: on top of each other i've been thinking a lot about that dissolution of the nation states mm-hmm. since about 2006 yeah. really since internet video when i realized how powerful and connected mm-hmm. we are now with video chat like how do you see it happening without a? because the, the, the downside was i don't want a one-world government that's totalitarian right now i'm looking at more of a decentralized localization mm-hmm. i mean you obviously you work with crypto mm-hmm. like how do you see something like that working?
1: right um, you know, again, you know, I'm going to say I, I can speculate since you're asking me to speculate. Uh, you know, if you go back to the medieval period, there's this interesting thing where there was less of a crisp boundary in the Westphalian sense. You might have somebody who was a, you know, in the example I, I said before the show started is you can imagine that um, there was someone, you know, peddling out on the street. And the guards come up and say, hey, it's Sunday. You can't sell stuff. And he, you know, holds up his warrant and he says, you know, actually, I'm a Jew, so I'm, you know, bound by different uh, uh uh, doctrine Doctrine, right, religious code um, But I'm also tied in a little bit to your political system And I've got a warrant from the Duke who says You know, yes, I'm, I'm a Jew with his permission I'm doing things And the answer is, oh, okay So you're on the same territory as people who are under this other power But you're under a different sort of chain of command Whoa And um,
0: I, I can't imagine that being a good thing
1: Um You know, when the world changes, good or bad doesn't really matter. You know, it comes out of incentives. Um, I think it might be a decent thing. Um,
0: I think we're going that way. Yeah. I I mean, mean, you you look at the the racial identitarianism from the establishment in mm -hmm. this country. And it really does look like that's where we're going. Yeah, I
3: mean,
1: you know, right now we're already in that. You know, one person at Harvard uh, is under a different law than someone else depending on, you know, his skin color, um, you know, his admission there, the behavioral norms that's expected and everything else.
0: Or actually you can't even get into Harvard if you're Asian for right. the most part. So right. yeah, absolutely. Different different
1: rules just yeah. based on what you look like. And, uh, you know, I, I there's little hints of that, that, you know, if someone is from overseas and they've got diplomatic plates, we're here, you know, not too far from D.C. And I saw that. So I, I think that... D- polycentric law overlapping in the same geographic uh, location is something that has happened before in the Middle Ages and I think it could happen again. Not not making a strong prediction. Uh, and this ties into we were talking about anarcho-capitalism and one of the sort of leading luminaries um, of anarcho-capitalism is David Friedman, the son of Milton Friedman. And he's written a bunch of great books on the topic. Uh, the seminal one is The Machinery of Freedom, which was one of the books that, along with Robert Heinlein's The Moon is a Harsh Mistress, uh, really sort of created my worldview. Uh, but he's written some other good ones, uh, Law's Order, and uh, one I read a few months ago was Legal Systems, very different from our own. So uh, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll see what happens over
2: the coming decades. I could see like um, an augmented reality system where mm-hmm. you, when you look around people have like a different aura if they're under different jurisdiction right. law or something. But my my wonder is, what if the power goes out? Would that system <laughs> function? Could it function? Do you think it's right. something that, um, you know, uh,
1: what if the power goes out gets back to sort of robustness and anti-fragility? And uh, you know, I, I expect that long-term uh, technology is going to mm-hmm. stick around and that we will be living in a hyper networked world. So that, that that sort of pulls in the opposite direction of the sort of localism and the anti fragile homesteading that we're talking about. So, uh, I don't know. Um, you know, in investing, some people talk about a barbell strategy where you want to have a lot of your money in sort of safe, reasonable things like index funds, but you also want to have a small amount in really potential high payoff bets. You know, this is the venture capital model. And uh, politically, uh, looking towards the future, on the one hand, you know, sort of I hope for everyone has, you know, human rights and the uh, power grid stays up and the food supplies are good. Uh, but I also have sheep that I can eat in my own orchard and I can make my own wine in case uh, it goes bad. Wait, wait, we wait.
2: we got to get off the grid. The central, well, on, so we're getting look. off a centralized economy, centralized law, centralized electricity. It's got to so, be so. Let's poly- let's, let's
0: y- y- You You know a lot about Rome. Uh, I know some, yeah. When when Rome collapsed, right? The the as you mentioned before, latency, mm-hmm. you know, distance between communications right. was was very a very long time, absolutely. And then you end up with their own their own political cultures. And mm-hmm. then you mentioned now we're in this you know new era of technology. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really interesting, in my opinion, just to elaborate on that idea. When you have you know one faction of people, maybe it's a family, and they're anarcho capitalists, mm-hmm. and they're online communicating with the anarcho capitalist community but they're decentralized their neighbor is a socialist their other neighbor is a conservative you know you know free enterprise sort of but still some government control how 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 will there be cohesive law right. if people right next to each other are just
1: yeah no, it, it, it's a great question, and I'll take a, a stab at answering it. But I again, I want to be clear that I'm not predicting that Like, this is definitely no, course, the way it's going to happen. Uh, David Friedman talked about this, and uh, he is the one who came up with sort of polycentric legal order. And what he said is, you know, uh, you, Tim, you know, might subscribe to one legal system where you want to keep trespassers off your land. That's pretty important to you. Uh, someone else might subscribe to a legal system that has a English right to roam. And then we uh, in England, apparently, if you've got a certain amount of land, you can't keep people off of it. They they're allowed to to just walk right across as the sort of traditional uh, right of the Englishman. So what happens when these, you know, things come in conflict? Like one guy says, I've got an absolute right to walk across your backyard, and you say, I've got an absolute right to keep you out. Uh, And, you know, theoretically, someone who wanted to diss on anarcho-capitalism would say, well, you know, and then of course you'd get a gun battle, and that's why anarcho-capitalism is the worst possible political ideology, ideology in the world. Um, but, you know, in, in the real world when corporations run into things like, you know, you've stolen my intellectual property because I think that my patent on, you know, how resistors work is, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you say, no, I, I'm using a different thing. It looks similar, but it's not. We don't get guns and duke this out. Uh We, you know, we just hire lawyers, lawyers. and they settle it. Uh So I think that. That would happen now So now the next parody is Okay, Travis is arguing that time two people have a disagreement About uh trespassing in a garden Like is there an easement or is there not Then there's a $90,000 lawsuit That takes three years and I, I think uh, there's game theory where when something is iterated, there is not a need to hash it out time and time and time again. Both sides see, you know, really a negotiated solution here and some rules of the road make sense. So if you look at any place where uh, firms interact, they either come up with their own laws or they come up with their own governance bodies to help them interact with each other. Because, uh, you know, if you look at evolution animals don't battle to the death with each other when you've got two rams and they both want to you know dominate the herd of ewes um it doesn't make sense if one ram is aiming to kill the other because he's likely to get severely damaged in that the uh utility maximizing compromise is some sort of dominance display and head bashing and then one of them sulks off because he can live to try again another day and uh i I think people are not idiots people do not get into gun battles They but
0: I, i i i i somewhat disagree um you look, we, we, we talked about the wacky laws, you know, recently, where you've got some places where it's like you can't take a shower on Tuesdays. Mm. And it actually made sense because back in the day, the local aquifer was like, you know, mm-hmm. we, like they said, we have to have one day where nobody uses water so it can replenish a little bit. But now we have better water systems, we have tons of water. So we, we produce these laws based on the, the specifics that are happening in our areas. Mm-hmm. So you have a community and they build a culture. They build rules and laws with, for each other, by each other, and sometimes in disagreement with each other, but understanding the problem. Hey, look, a bear keeps coming in, so we're gonna pass a law. You can't have picnic baskets right. lying around wherever. Well, now you've got somebody who's on the internet, and he does not subscribe to any of his immediate community. When they go outside, they're clashing, and one guy's on nothing but socialist forums, and one guy's on nothing but, you know, ANCAP forums, and so they're completely at odds locally. I don't necessarily uh, uh, think that they would just agree to resolve right. the solution because the resolution itself is part of the local community sure. and culture um, and law.
1: Th- that's a great argument, uh, and, and I follow it, and it's convincing. And um, so now <laughs> the, the great thing about you know pontificating while sitting on my butt is I can say, okay, if you didn't like that answer, I've got another one. Uh, and the other one is that just as the cost of information transmission is falling, the cost of picking up and moving your butt is falling. Uh, you know, I moved from Massachusetts, where the local community and the norms and the politics were very much not to my liking. And I moved to New Hampshire eight years ago. And uh, A lot you know, of
0: ANCAPs in New Hampshire. There are. Uh,
1: there, mm. There's a joke. Um, you know, I don't know if I would necessarily say that I'm part of the Free State Project, but I'm certainly FSP adjacent, and I know a lot of <laughs> FSP people. <laughs> Um and there's a joke, you know, what's the difference between a libertarian and an ANCAP? And the answer is, you know, six months in New Hampshire. (laughs) So uh you know, I I think picking up and moving to be around people who are like you um is a good thing. And there's a phrase the great sort, which is mostly talking about demographics and mating, but I think that to some degree it's also happening geographically.
0: I completely agree. I mean look at how many people moved to Texas recently. Right. Joe Rogan and Elon Musk announced it, but a ton of people there's there's a lot of regular people that moved. And one of the things I've warned though is that while you know Joe Rogan and Elon Musk are They seem to be left-leaning individuals. I mean, Elon Musk calls himself a socialist, whether he is or not. I don't know. <laughs> it's funny considering he's, he's you know, a right master
1: brilliant. troll. That's what Right, he is. right,
0: right. But the the people they bring with them, when mm. they move their companies and their jobs, they bring people with them in their periphery who are definitely yep. not going to agree with exactly what happens there in Texas. But I digress. You know, that being said… I do think there's a great sort happening. I mean, look, we moved. We moved effectively to West Virginia. Mm-hmm. I was living in New York City only a few years ago. Moved to the Philly suburbs. Now we're in the, the mountains. You know, essentially, essentially yeah, I say that because we're in the country, tri-state. By the
1: way, I loved uh, the Sorry, drive out. Saw the
0: deer we, yep. every day. I look outside. There's a family of deer doing mm-hmm. their thing. And uh, you know, I wanted to get away from the city, so we move closer and closer to people who are more and more like-minded. For me, I would say. It's not necessarily that the people around here are, are like-minded, but
2: we agree to leave each other alone, Right, which right. is big.
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know,
2: where I keep finding a, the problem or a problem regarding this whole concept of decentralized law is if a community wants to pollute the air, because that can affect the entire globe if it's done on a mass enough scale, if they're pumping methane and carbon and you know radioactive materials up into the atmosphere to produce just pure industry, like hundreds of thousands of people like for decades— could just destroy things like thousands of miles away, China. or polluting the water, like yeah. the ocean, like dumping. So a lot of the plastic waste is like, India. I, I China. was going to go there next. Yeah, India, China, plastic w- waste.
1: We've, we've got all of these rules against having you know plastic straws in the U.S. And <laughs> really, it's all coming from just yeah. one small
2: place. So, are we ultimately will we need a global like an overseer?
1: Um, so, you know, <laughs> my answer to this is that, uh, freedom can only exist on the frontier. And, you know, America has got a really unique libertarian culture. You find a few libertarians in other places, but it's endemic to, uh, you know, the United States. Um, and that's because of our culture. We, we ran into a, you know, quote unquote empty, uh, which is, you know, it, uh, the Western Hemisphere was empty because of the tragedy of, uh, communicable diseases. But, uh, we evolved this idea of a frontier because we had a frontier. And that's why you can sort of, never really communicate about some of these topics with people in other parts of the country and so uh if i may plug something else um judy was boring
3: hello then judy discovered jumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tim introduced
1: me as an author, and the first things I wrote before the homesteading books were two anarcho-capitalistic novels, which pretty much have the thesis uh, that we can only achieve freedom out on the frontier. So the first one is The Powers of the Earth, which won the Prometheus Award for Best Novel in 2018. And the sequel is Causes of Separation, which won the Prometheus Award in 2019.
0: I think you are correct about that with the freedom. Um, the way I've described it is, you know, uh, you know how uh, gases, the, the molecules, you know, are bouncing around quite mm-hmm. a bit. Liquids a little bit and then mm-hmm. solids, they're rigid. Yep. When you look at big cities, I, am, I view it as a solid. Yeah. All of these individuals stacked on top of each other and that, that room to bounce around erratically, that's your freedom. Yep. The more people surround you, the more you push and it compresses your sphere of freedom. So it's, it's actually, it's a really, really easy way to explain it. I, I when, love
1: your analogy and, uh, because I'm a nerd, I'm gonna make it a little nerdier. Which all right. is the ideal gas law, which is PV equals NRT. And, uh, you know, it, it's a great analogy because, uh, one thing that happens when you add more, uh, molecules that have this kinetic energy or when you crush them in tighter space is the temperature goes up. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, yeah, absolutely. Oh, and, yeah. Uh,
2: or, or the system it's expands.
1: Right, right. You know, so it can go to the sort of the Carnot cycle that it pushes <laughs> out and, uh, you know, the, the piston. But we're, uh, we're, we're talking
0: about compression. So that right. energy is getting released. Yeah. And, uh, the easiest way to explain it is just playing the drums. hmm uh, That, in order to play the drums, you need a massive sphere of, of freedom. You can't do it in the suburbs. You might be able to, but you have to get permission. You have to ask, "Hey, you guys, mind if we're playing the drums?" I know, you know, the 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 zoning laws say that the ordinance says I can be noisy until 10 p.m. But then your neighbors get mad at you, and then you're fighting with your neighbors. You talk to them; they'll say, "Okay, play the drums, but only between this hours." Or you, "Okay, make noise, but only between this hours." You can't play drums in the city, right? You got you got one person above you, one to your left, to your right, and one behind you, and you play the drums, and they're going to be like, "Are you nuts?" It's, it's 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 not about i can sort of hear it it's you're literally banging next to next door to me like turn your music it's it's a movie trope the so people people are stacked on top of each other there's no room for freedoms
1: i i absolutely agree um one of the you know there there's a dozen or five dozen reasons that i don't want to live in a city and i can't stand the city but one of them is that i'm an introvert and um you know I, I know people who often propose systems, like I've got one friend who is proposing a hackerspace, and my answer to a hackerspace is, I have a hackerspace, it's my garage, and mm. I've got, you know, uh, MIG welders and, you know, band saws and lathes and everything I want to do, and so anytime I want to do a project, the tools are there and I'm first in line and I don't have to wait for anyone else. And I think that uh, one of the reasons that he likes the idea of a hackerspace is because all of these things are up for negotiation. We get to come together as a community and decide the rules for how we should do this. And we get to come together as a community. So what I would see as a cost, which is the interactions and the negotiations, is for him a benefit. And I think a lot of people who love cities actually love the fact that you have to negotiate everything. Mm. Um, you know they they talk about you know a certain sense of community and you know that and that's what makes new york city great the fact that when you know one person vomits on the subway that everyone else helps everyone else walk around it um, and uh I, I don't like interacting, so if I want to play the drums and get my Neil Peart um, you know, I don't want to have to talk to 10 other people about yeah, it.
2: Regarding PV NRT, this mm-hmm. is a little bit of an aside. I'd like to hear what you think about this. When you in- increase the pressure, it either is going to enhance the temperature uh-huh. or, or expand the system. Yep. But it's just for tubular systems, the way that was written out to mm-hmm. get water. I think it's to get water out of
1: wells right. or something. Um, so, you know, PV equals NRT, the ideal gas law, uh, is what you would use to describe a, um, piston in a cylinder, whether it's an internal combustion engine or a Stirling engine. Uh, but it would also apply to say a balloon
2: so uh, is it possible that as the balloon expands yep. it causes the expansion causes friction, mm-hmm. which is energy from outside of the system to cause it to heat up faster, which causes it to expand faster, which causes more friction, which causes more heat and a faster, so you get acceleration or uh long, I guess long, long story inflation, short. and so <laughs> what what an inflative what, system I think okay, it hasn't right, been right, written right. yet,
0: I think what you're saying is that. The more people live in close proximity, the faster the acceleration towards collapse.
2: Well, maybe. What I'm getting at is, I think that in order to explain free energy, this is totally off topic. I'm sorry, but I want to talk about PVNRT. Uh, well, we're we're gonna, go. We, we got to move on from, order, from that. Okay, but wanna... in order to um, get free energy to explain uh-huh. to the people scientifically, we need to explain inflation in PVNRT. Mm. Well, I'm mm-hmm.
0: just I was analogy for people smashed on top of each other and then fighting. Yeah, if with If they each have other nowhere the to go, it's going to raise the temperature. So I think um, I, I think it's going to happen sooner. Uh, th- this, this excitement, this collapse, mm-hmm. this, this rage. Uh, one thing people need to realize is that we're in a, a lull period with the, the election for the president was last year. There's no real cycle right now. This mm-hmm. year is where everyone kind of just like ex- exhausted. 2022 is the midterms. 2023 is the presidential primary cycle, followed by 24, the presidential cycle. And that is going to be ramping up worse. Absolutely. More extreme than we saw. But I do want to show this story real quick. And the story itself, I think, is important. I don't think it's the most excitable story. It's from NBC. All children should wear masks in school this fall, even if vaccinated, according to Pediatrics Group. The American Academy of Pediatrics is calling the new guidance a layered approach. We had Steve Bannon on the show. Nice. He said on August fifteenth, when mothers start learning about what their children are being taught, there is going to be uh, you know a ruckus or there's gonna, it's mm-hmm. going to. I don't know. I don't know the exact word, but you know, you get the point. It's like yeah. people are going to lose it, and he's right. I think a lot of the critical race theory stuff is going to result in moms being shocked and angered. But this is it, already thing.
1: happening. Yeah,
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, consider when kids are back in school, summer ends. I saw this story and I saw it on Reddit and I looked at the comments because the first thing I thought when I saw that they were that schools wanted to make kids wear wear masks, even if they're vaccinated. My immediate thought was. There is no way even the establishment leftists, the people who march on a dime for the for the the establishment are going to be okay with this, because even though we have seen to great lengths these people are willing to contort themselves, this will snap their brains like a rubber band. And I was right. Surprisingly, the top comments on Reddit, which is mostly leftists, were like, I can't do this anymore. I can't handle this. Yep. One response was, I'm a high school teacher. This is insane. I will not be the mass police. I can't handle this. And it was just inundated people saying, this is nuts. It's gone too far. We're losing control. But the funny thing is, they were trying to adhere to the narrative. Yep. Like, yep. We, we have to do it. But their brains were just at that point where the rubber band was going to snap. Seeing the person say, I'm a high school teacher and I just can't handle it anymore. And I'm like, whether they want to support the narrative or not, Mm -hmm. the rubber band is going to snap back and then something's going to happen. I don't know what. Yep. Maybe it actually stabilizes
1: things. I I see a lot of doom posting on Twitter from my tribe talking about, oh gosh, you know, the left is going further on this and this and, you know, the 1984 totalitarian, blah, blah, blah. We're all doomed and it's all over. And linear uh, extrapolations, I think, are always naive and wrong because there are feedback loops. And, um you know, as stuff gets crazier, more and more people start saying, I, you know, I can't buy into this anymore. And uh, I, I think that we are rapidly approaching that point. The cathedral or, or the, you know, um, political organization right now has this plan that has worked for them. And it's worked for 20 or 30 or 40 years, which is you bang more and more about racism. And it motivates the base and it gets people out to march and it motivates donations. And, you know, they did this for all four years of Trump. And, you know, there's a terrible thing. I mean, it's hilarious, but it's also terrible, which is that the word racist and the word Nazi have lost all power because, you know, racism is a terrible thing and no one wants to be, you know, called a racist if it's meaningful. And Nazis are, you know, the second worst uh, political thing after communism. And, uh, you know, that's terrible and no one wants to be called a Nazi. And so at first they're saying, you know, okay, these literal Nazis marching down the streets are Nazis. And you're like, yes, they are. They're saying terrible things about Jews. You know, that, that's terrible. And then next they're saying, you know, this guy who's not a Nazi, but he's got some, you know, really bad opinions as a Nazi. You're like, yeah, okay, I guess that's pretty Nazi-like. And then pretty soon, you know, my half Nigerian friend Fred is being called a <laughs> Nazi. I'm like, ia he's not a Nazi, and B, that word is now entirely meaningless. It doesn't matter anymore. Right, right. I,
0: it's not about the word being meaningless. Mm-hmm. The
1: word can mean whatever it wants. I just don't care. Right. I, that's I, that's I, what wait. I'm saying. You, you've no, 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 you've but, done but, something amazing when half the population doesn't care No, no, anymore. but it's not about half
0: the population. Mm-hmm. It's not half the population. I don't care about what these leftist rage bait smear merchants care for the same reason I don't care about what people... People in Liberia are saying about me. Mm-hmm. It's a different country, mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do with me. Right. So when I see these people who I know live in Wally World and blah, 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 and, and believe nonsensical garbage, I'm like, they can say whatever they want. I'm over it. Yep. I don't view them as the look. The divide in this country has has
1: grown so great. Right. There's two countries. That it's and more it's beyond, than that. It's, beyond it's like a yeah. shatter, and there's all these
0: different yeah. fractals. Of yeah. it, is, it is beyond two countries. Mm-hmm. It is beyond two countries. When I heard uh, – this is a, the, the example I use every time, Joe Biden talking about lockdowns. When red states were doing the opposite, I was like, that's it. It is very clear that he does not view us as part of the conversation mm-hmm. or as part of the country or as someone who needs to be talked to. So when I see someone in the mainstream media and NBC or whatever say something, I'm like, why do I care what they think? Yep, yep. It is not part of the world I live in. And 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 I didn't start it. I'm just responding to it.
1: Absolutely. My friend Adam uh, said something really interesting a month or two back, which is, you know, I, I think his exact words were, I'm reali- realizing more and more that I'm a patriot of com- of a country that never really existed. And uh, I think, you know, if you look at Twitter and other places, people on the right are saying, you know, effectively, I don't know what I believe in. I, you know, believe in this 1950s world, but also that 1950s world was maybe more an uh artifact of marketing than reality oh yeah. and people on the left you know they march but then the world isn't operating the way they think it's supposed to operate and their models are broken there's a huge cultural malaise or ennui or something going on because all of the old explanations and answers have broken down and uh you know joe biden isn't motivating anyone there, there's no narratives that are motivating anyone and uh we're discovering the new world right now
2: it's true man we ended slavery but china didn't mm-hmm. and we buy products from china right. that are getting made by slaves so we're basically still supporting slavery yeah
0: no I, I mean we have companies that you've you've that have used sweatshop labor yeah, for it, a it's long time blatant. like in the it is blatant structurally you know, in the economy and i'll tell you this because i at, at occupy wall street they had a memorial for steve jobs that to me was the funniest thing. Now it's not like it's not like the people of Occupy all came together and voted. Here, here, we all agree. But many people there set up a, a memorial because he died in October of twenty eleven, uh-huh. and I, I was laughing at just like the absurdity of one of the most ruthless, cutthroat capitalist businessmen who exploited Chinese communist slave labor mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. is being propped up by these people at Occupy, and I was there, and I'm just like, and you know what? I've I've I, I, I've long known because I worked in nonprofits that. It's it's all marketing. It's all PR. Yeah. It's all it's all an attempt to gain support. But I think what happens is the internet allows for you know we used to have five TV channels mm-hmm. or whatever <laughs> three and if you're older yeah. three right yeah and everyone just agreed with like the narrative yeah. coming from these channels. Yeah, the, the
1: Overton window was an inch wide.
0: That's right. Now with the internet. The Overton Window extends, for the most part, from like the center right to the far left. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's kind of hilarious that that's true. The mainstream will allow these conversations. They'll wag their finger at the center right, 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 you're, and you're, they'll you're clap so naughty. for the yeah. far left, right. But 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 anyway, the main point is that. It allows the entirety of the political compass to exist now in the space, even if we can say the Overton window doesn't include the far right, the mm-hmm. authoritarian right, mm-hmm. and even, and, and for some reason ANCAPs get lumped in there sometimes.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think the uh, Overton window includes uh, just enough Republicans that they, they, the cathedral or they, the, um, you know, sort of central political organization can say, oh, we're tolerant. We accept right. everyone up to John McCain. Um, and, you know, maybe R- Mitt Romney on a but, good day. But
0: regardless of what the cathedral, c- cathedral thinks, there are online communities for literally every Absolutely, and, and it's
1: glorious. I love it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it used to be um, much, much harder. It was much more centralized, more yeah. of a – now it's, it's, it's evened out quite a bit. But I do think this is causing a lot of our problems, especially right. when – you know. so w- we're seeing this shuffling, this, this great mm-hmm. sorting algorithm mm-hmm. is kind of happening. West Virginia is losing residents, right? And one of the stories I read was about a teacher. And she gave an interview and she was like, What they're doing to the unions and how they treat us is absurd and this state is racist. So I'm leaving. I'm going to Austin or something like that Hmm. or, you know, some other city. And I'm like, Isn't it fascinating that in the, in one of the West Virginia, I think is the second most Trump supporting state Mm -hmm. from 2020. And you have the people who are Democrats outraged and leaving. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, you have the more conservative types from cities outraged and leaving. Right. Everything's being sorted. It's almost like we're in this big, uh, um, you know, sieve or whatever and it's being' you know, shaking it and some are falling through, and some aren't yeah so i i i wonder the the fascinating thing about this is you know we we i've talked about civil war quite a bit, and right now. We have this poll showing the Balk- uh, potential balkanization. It's uh, I did the math: thirty-seven point two percent of the population is in favor of their region balkanizing. You know, my dad is a more.
1: real centrist Republican, uh, you know, sort of Mitt Romney Republican. And uh, I had the pleasure of seeing my folks uh, over this past weekend after a year and a half because of COVID. And my dad, this sort of you know mainstream whatever media TV is telling me, you know, he's talking about you know we need to break into two countries. And when you're looking at you know seventy-five year old boomers who came <laughs> up in the system and they're saying you know they sounding like some crazy neo reactionary on Twitter, uh, man, the world's gotten strange.
0: But it's not neo reactionary. It's mm-hmm. 47% of Democrats yeah. on the West Coast. Yep. So w- what we're seeing with this with separation is I'm not actually convinced it's going to just be, you know, so so one thing I've said recently is that I think we're more likely to break up than see civil war. Yeah, but but I'll, but I'll stress with this great sorting that's happening, it's entirely possible we do see the country split. Along yeah. hard lines, you know,
1: we're definitely not going to see civil war because wars happen when you've got a lot of young men, and our population structure uh, will not support a war. You know, um, there's just not enough uh, cannon fodder. Neil Stevenson, a great science fiction author, one of my favorites, um, has had the sort of future history of loosely linked books, and uh, he has sort of you know crazy red tribe rural areas and crazy blue tribe rural areas, and somehow they coexist. And I think that. Sometimes governments just get exhausted and don't have the political will to enforce hegemony. And um, mm. you know, I, I think that we're to some degree stepping into that world right now, um, where we get soft secession. That you know, maybe the tax dollars keep filing back to Washington, and you know, maybe the bomber bases still h- sit here, but we're not going to listen to laws we don't want to. And we've seen that with marijuana legalization at the state level. Just, well,
2: well, but, but I, uh, was, uh, well, I was just thinking, what if we have? What if we end up with multiple layers of governments going on at once? One while the electricity's on, and one if it goes off and it's like a contingency well let's let's be
0: real for a second what do you think is going to happen to these blue areas when the collapse or the disarray happens or the or the you know
1: you know it's a red tribe talking point that you know oh you know the blue areas they're all fashion designers and accountants and there's a totally fake economy there and these people don't produce anything whereas out here in steel and corn country this is the real world and uh you know I, I, I understand the uh, emotions behind that, um, that the blue tribe often doesn't see the red tribe virtues. They don't appreciate hard work uh, and diligence and, you know, breaking bones and getting sweaty and all these other things. And so you want to believe that, you know, they're a feet losers, bug men living in pods. Um, and, and my books, by the way, start out, I think there's, uh, you know, on, on the dedication page that, you know, this is to Robert Heinlein who taught us not to be bug men living in pods. Um, but the blue areas do huge amounts of useful things, and we're not going to, you know, if there were a civil war, we're not going to surround Boston for a second time and starve them out because they export intellectual property and they've got a port and all of the food they ever want to buy is going to come in from the world. So uh, I'm not predicting a collapse, and I'm not predicting civil war. Um, I think a peaceful divorce would be great, and I think both sides would do okay afterwards.
0: In, in a peaceful divorce, um it wouldn't be both sides. You know, there's no real way to split the country in 2 mm-hmm. But there, there, there could be five regions. I mm-hmm. there could be a, a bunch of different regions. Right. You but know, the, where, where, where do uh, you know? It, I mean, California produces a massive amount of food mm-hmm. for the country and for the world. Mm-hmm. But I'm not convinced that the farmers in Tulare, who are mostly Trump-supporting Republicans, mm-hmm. are going to be like, sure, I'll give my food to these hippie lunatics in the cities. Right.
1: Well, give or you know are subject to uh, a regulation by. I mean, if conquered, yeah. Um I don't know that either side uh, really has the manpower to do that. I think that we are going to see, if there is a great divorce, which I don't think is super likely, but I hope we do, uh, if there is a great divorce, I think ah, it's going to China happen. comes in then. <laughs> well, so that's the other thing. If you look at the U.S. Revolution, the U.S. Revolution only succeeded because there was a great power war going on where right. England didn't have the ability to fight us because they were busy fighting France. And if you look at how the U.S. always plays divide and conquer, we're always backing one faction overseas, you know, the Syrian, um, you know, rebel group versus the other one. And so, uh, you know, I, I think China is going to, uh, get old before it gets rich. So they are most dangerous for the next 10 or 20 or 30 years. But I don't think that the future of the world is Chinese. But, 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 if the us got into severe problems then absolutely china would be funneling money and weapons yeah and you would see
2: in, one faction in the united states side with china yep. to win that would be crazy just like the revolution man i yeah. don't I, I you know i look at
0: these uh, these regions they 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 in this poll where mm-hmm. it's like you get the pacific region the heartland the south the northeast
1: There was a great book by Joel Guru like 30 years ago called The Nine Nations of North America that I recommend on this topic. But I
0: think the Northeast might be the most at risk. You know, look, I can look at the heartland Mm and there's a lot of corn there. Mm -hmm. I can look at the Pacific and be like, California produces a ton of food. Mm -hmm. I look at the the South and I'm like, also, lots of farmland and and fertile areas. mountains impossible to take.
1: Northeast? I mean, Would you invade them out? What, is, what yeah. does the Northeast have? Crabs? The Northeast has ports. I mean, if you go to Whole Foods in Cambridge, Massachusetts, right now, you know where is that food coming from? I'm sure some of it is coming from Vermont, but a oh, lot of sure. it's coming from Chile or but Brazil. But l-
0: let's, let's say the Northeast was just, you know, um, by itself. Okay. What does it have to offer for its ports to function? Lumber, Lumber. crab. Lumber? A lot of lumber? Yeah, I mean, you know,
1: I I think that what's New Hampshire going to get? <laughs> what do we export? We've got a lot of rocks. Uh, <laughs> uh, New Hampshire, I I think its leading industries are things like, you know, healthcare administration. Ooh. And, uh you know, well, you know, I don't want to work in that industry. I'd, I'd rather do what I do. Um... But again, this gets to the red tribe belief that like that, that's not real work; it's all make work, and there's no reason for it to exist. And uh, I'm going to go with sort of a Chesterton fence that you know this exists, and I assume there's a good reason for it. They're presumably delivering value to someone.
0: There are many jobs that should not exist, but are forced to.
1: There's a great essay, bullshit. Oh, excuse me, uh, yeah. but but bull jobs that I don't let you say. <laughs> that. And, and I think I uh, do agree with that. So so I'm not well, going to so, contradict myself.
0: Uh, I, I thought about this for a long time. Insurance salesmen. Mm-hmm. No offense, if you sell insurance. But, you know, most of the, for the most part, people just go online and automatically right. get their, get their service. McDonald's, fast food restaurants, mm-hmm. they're just replacing people with kiosks. Mm-hmm. And so what I think is happening is that, one thing I've actually, I've talked about this for, for, like, since I was a teenager, the, the, um, the, the struggle of capitalism in a technolo- technological revolution is, uh, and, and this is a really obvious, for a lot of people, that when you bring when when you have an industrialization, a lot of jobs get washed away. Mm-hmm. But in our current system, we don't just give people stuff. The challenge there is if one person has to work to to help the society survive, they will not tolerate for the mo- very likely if other people are not working and getting equal access to resources. Right. Um, so, so 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 long as there are people who need to make food, giving free food to other people is going to make people angry. In which case. That's one of the biggest challenges we have as we move forward technologically. You'll get people saying, don't take my job away. And then when someone gets their job taken away through no fault of their own, and then you get a government subsidy, then they're like, aren't you taking my tax dollars to pay them? With this potential breakup or great reset, they will erase all of these jobs. And they are. We see fast food restaurants struggling to hire people. How long until they all just upgrade to kiosks? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Many of them probably will. And And then how about this? I went to, I was at a, I was at a, um, arrest station. They had an ice cream, ice cream box. And it was a little robot man. Huh. And I put, <laughs> I wanted a chocolate sundae with, with chocolate syrup and sprinkles. And the little robot man just goes, meh, and then hands me the little thing. We don't need a human being to do it anymore. So this great reset,
1: I imagine, is going to purge a ton of jobs. To go off on a tangent about this job loss, um, you know, the the libertarian or free market answer is, you know, actually automation in uh, steel mills is great because it used to take a 100 blacksmiths to do something. And you're sure you're upset that 99 percent of them are unemployed, but they're now going to get new jobs as machinists. And, you know, uh, as we get rid of the sort of um, but that's
0: that's not true. Mm-hmm. Somebody somebody who is mining coal can't learn to code.
1: Right. and And so I agree with you. Yeah. And that's where I'm going with this thesis. It was true to some decent degree that as certain jobs went away, there were always more jobs that were brought in. But we're getting to a point where we can automate any job that requires less than a 70 IQ and then an 80 IQ and a 90 IQ. And, you know, uh, someone who happens to be born with a 90 IQ, that that's no deficit of character. That's just how it is, and he's equally a human being as anyone else. But you start to get to a problem when we can automate anything under a 90 or a 95 or a 100 or a 105 IQ. And I do worry that we're getting to that world. Now, you were talking about the anger against uh, welfare, and there is a fair bit of anger, but on the other hand, We have, as a society, a rhetorical device, or several rhetorical devices... We have welfare for the old called Social Security, and the polite fiction is you paid into that, and you did, but you end up taking a lot more out of it than you put in. And we have another polite fiction, which is disability, and the the fiction there is you can't work, so a decent society helps you. And there are some people who are truly disabled. Uh, there was a good article in The Atlantic, I don't know, like two or three years ago, talking about how disability is kind of a different form of welfare, where if you go to the right doctor and say the right things, where there are um, unfalsifiable statements like my back hurts, then you get it. And um so, you know, all societies have white lies they tell themselves. And I wonder if disability is ours to deal with the fact that cognitive but let, things are being priced out.
0: Let's let's think about that in term in the context of the Great Reset or mm-hmm. uh, or a great divorce mm-hmm. in this country. How, how will people in cities get access to food from uh, farmers? If right now what we're seeing is. They're doing this unemployment thing. They've been doing it nonstop. They're doing child tax credits mm-hmm. now. So a lot of people who aren't working are getting money. Mm-hmm. That means for the farmer who's growing corn or wheat or whatever and they go to sell it, they do a lot of work. They have to. Yep. You can't just snap your fingers and make that stuff. It's, right. it's, it's no, hard, work. hard
1: work. No, that's hard work. You don't just poke a hole in the ground and drop a seed in. It was but, a Como or something. Right, right. The people in the
0: cities, mm-hmm. they're handed money mm-hmm. and they walk to you and they get your labor yep. effectively for free. Right how that, that's that's i can't imagine that's sustainable yeah the only way that actually keeps sustaining itself is that the people doing the work don't know that people who aren't doing work are are you know as long as they don't know that's happening mm-hmm. but they do know it's happening yeah yeah so i i can only imagine you know going back to that as you mentioned the, the the what do you call it a red state belief or the
1: yeah red red state red tribe
0: red tribe belief um i'll tell you this man i know a lot of people live in cities you put them in the middle of the woods it's over
2: More than once, actually.
3: Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse
2: me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
3: I never win and tell.
2: Well, there you have it. You can
0: get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling
1: lucky? No
2: purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So th- this
1: ties into a prepping thing where, um you know, I-, I sometimes flip through prepping magazines when I'm at the bookstore having a coffee, which I do, you know, once a week or so. Um, Or, you know, someone will forward me something off of a prepping form and people like this idea that, oh, I'm going to buy a can of survival seeds or my plan when the system collapses, I'm going to bug out and I'm going to find an abandoned farm and I'll just start (laughs) farming. And, um, you know, speaking of my own experience, uh, my wife and I have been on the farm for about eight years, and we have been working, you know, hugely hard, you know, uh, on the order of, you know, all of Saturday, all of Sunday, weeding and chainsawing down trees and converting pasture and stretching fences. And we've also brought in pros to help us with some of this, like, you know, fencing and other stuff. And oh. there's so much equipment and there's so much specialized knowledge, which is why the books are so thick, where, you know, I learned that, you know, oh, in this pasture I want to grow uh, hay so that I can feed sheep so that I can get food from that. But before I can grow hay, I've got to kill off the poison ivy, which yeah. means that I need to put down 2,4-D and 360 at a certain application rate. We we and uh, and, and just to to finish real quickly, the idea that you're going to wander out with a can of survival seeds as civilization is collapsing and you know feed yourself is absolutely insane. Homesteading is a viable approach, but you know it's a ten year plan. What what's the uh,
0: um for uh, let's tomatoes? Mm -hmm. How long? Out of the year, do you get viable tomatoes? Right,
1: absolutely. So, uh, you know, if you plant all of your tomatoes at once, all of your tomato harvest is going to come in over a course of two weeks. Now, That's you can stagger fun. that by planting tomatoes week one, week two, week three in different batches. Um, but even then, your tomatoes are going to be very, you know, short interval. And there's not a lot of calories in tomatoes. So, uh, you know, again, getting the survival scenario, this is fine. You know, homesteading is a hobby and a lifestyle. And I'll defend it as that, but it's not... Um, you know, a way to survive the apocalypse with no inputs. There's a huge amount of inputs of diesel fuel and fertilizer and other stuff. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. We uh, we have uh, our tomatoes. I would say that we we had four uh, um, standard tomato plants and mm-hmm. one cherry tomato. The cherry mm-hmm. tomatoes easy. Mm-hmm. I walk outside, we pick them all. We walk in, they're good to go. Mm-hmm. The regular tomatoes extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. The bugs get them. Yep. The uh, and they 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 a lot of rot. Mm-hmm. Some of them turns black. You know, and there's
1: all sorts of details. Like if you want to save the seeds from tomatoes, right. tomatoes are uh, tricky because there is a sort of gel-like coating on the seeds and you have to let the seeds sit in the gel and rot for a week or two and then wash them off and then preserve the seeds. And this is another thing that, uh, you know, if you don't know this stuff, you're just going to make an absolute yep. uh, hash of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, so, um, you know, we have a garden, and the funny thing is we get, like, baseball bat-sized zucchini, mm-hmm. and over the course of the past two weeks, it's like, we can't eat all this. Mm-hmm. Like, we just set, we set up a garden, but we right. grew a whole bunch— All the, all the tomatoes come around the same time. Yep. And then we're like,
1: what are we gonna do? Right. Make a sauce, I guess? You know, preservation technology is huge. And there's a whole lot of flavors that we as humans like because we've sort of evolved in a semi-civilized state. We love smoked beef jerky. Yeah. Um, because that's a preservation technology. We like pickles because that's a preservation technology. We like cheese because that's a preservation technology. Um, and my hint with the zucchini, by the way, um, I peel my zucchini, I shred them in a food processor, I vacuum seal them, I throw them in a chest freezer. And uh then I mix that with ground turkey and onions and make turkey fritters Amazing. all year long.
0: Now, what's fascinating, though, is that a lot of what you're describing is that we got modern technology-like freezers and refrigerators. Uh-huh. So I'll, I'll tell you this, man. Where we are right now, we are—this um this, this facility is going to be, for the most part, off the grid. Nice. Meaning our water is well water, mm-hmm. and we're getting solar and batteries installed. Nice. We're still on the grid. Yep, yep. But in the event of an absolute catastrophe— Yep. We're going to be able to be fine. We'll have to reduce a lot of our energy consumption, Mm -hmm. but uh, actually, we'll have a decent amount of power. These these batteries are hefty, man.
1: Yep, Uh, I I carried like four thousand pounds of lead acid batteries down to my basement to build my system, so I know all about it. Yeah, they are hefty.
0: Well, well, I think we're gonna have lithium. Nice. I'm I'm not entirely
1: sure. I put mine in around seven or eight years ago, and I'm going to. uh, I'm building out the solar right now, and the second battery bank is going to be lithium. But but let's
0: let's be real, man. Like people in cities stacked (laughs) on top of each other. They are they're not going to have any of this. The Absolutely power's going to go out and the food's going to be gone. I was I was in New York when Sandy hit. Mm-hmm. And there were there were two guys standing outside of a bodega with like a two with 2 by 4s and a baseball bat, one person at a time, and the guy said all the refrigerator stuff is spoiled because mm-hmm. the power was out for a couple weeks I right, think. Right, right. They were like the cans are good, everything else is spoiled. Mm-hmm. So, you know, take what you want. Roof like Korean's awesome. Yeah, Mountain Dew was fine. You know, all the sodas mm-hmm. were fine, but uh um anything perishable gone.
1: Right. So right. your
0: freezers, all that stuff in the city?
1: Yeah, over. Right. And
0: um what are those people going to do?
1: Yeah, no, they they are absolutely screwed. And uh, you're going to find them on your farm. <laughs> well, uh you know, I do have a chapter on firearms. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> right. Um you know, th- this ties back to the idea of prepping and the power law, which is the title of one of the essays, I think it's in volume 2, where uh you know, how often does New York City lose power, um, you know, for a week or something? It happened, I think, back in 76 or 78 or something. Hurricane was Sandy And Hurricane Sandy. Yeah. So this is the kind of thing, it seems inconceivable, but you pull back and zoom out and you're like, no, this crap happens every 30 or 40 years and you're going to live another 30 or 40 years. You're going to see it happen again. You're going to see all these things happen this in your lifetime. This is
0: the craziest thing to me about when I was like last year, I'm like, hey, guys, pick up these, you know, food bins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I got to say, it was mostly these young people. Mm-hmm. A lot of these lefties. These socialists are young. Mm-hmm. They don't have the worldly experience to have dealt with these things. Mm-hmm. Having seen Hurricane Sandy, yep. I was like, wow, it would be great if I had one of those food bins. So I remember when I was living in New York and there, I can't remember what was happening. There was some concern about another storm. I went and bought I bought two things of bottled water. I was mm-hmm. like, that's going to be important. Yep. They tell you in Chicago, whenever they say there's a big storm coming, you fill up your bathtub. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm.
0: – you know, if the water goes bad, if if lines break, if some disaster happens, you got a bunch of water in your bathtub. Yep. That's the kind of thing people who are older, I guess, learn. Mm-hmm. Younger people don't. But still, there is like this arrogance of of many people live in cities. Like you said, they think they can grab a, a can of seeds and go find a farm <laughs> right, somewhere. Right. I tell you, man. In the uh, what did the, uh, what did Noam Chomsky say? In the arena of violence, the most brutal guy wins, and that ain't us. And mm-hmm. he was referring to leftists. Right. Right. These people think that they're going to go out to a farm. Where they're going to find a guy who's been using a a gun, a firearm, or or multiple ones for practical purposes, be it hunting or you know, or or, or, you know, dealing with uh, rodents and stuff, Mm -hmm. and they're going to be able to walk on and just lay claim to a already built up and secured and maintained
1: farm fertilizer. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they're going to be is fertilizer, right? Um, you know, I don't know if
0: humans can be fertilizer. That's kind of I don't know.
1: I've got a chapter of composting. Oh, um. oh geez. <laughs> well, we hope it doesn't come to that. Honestly, no. right, right. Uh, a lot of hungry people though. You know, so there's another thing that I hear in prepping circles, uh, and, and it's a feel good phrase, you know, it's not the equipment that you have that matters. It's what you know that matters because, you know, equipment can be taken from you, but what you know is a resource. Yeah. And, you know, if, if there's some guy living in a basement, uh, you know, in Brooklyn and he's been reading survival forms for six years and then the system collapsed and he comes out to my farm and wants to share his knowledge with me for food, you know, I don't need any knowledge that this guy, you know, learned from endlessly recycled blog posts, um, You know, there's, oh gosh, uh, there's some ancient Greek words for different kinds of knowledge, uh, techni and metis or something. Um But to really, really know something, you've got to do it, and you've got to do it ahead of time. And you're absolutely doing this with your tomatoes and your chicken. So if you lost power, you've already practiced it. So that's real knowledge. It's not something you've just. You want? You, you with. want?
0: A, you, we got a, we got a couple mulberry trees. Mm-hmm. And so we made mulberry jam. Nice. We, we made a, a, a we mixed wineberry and mulberry like yep. a wildberry. That was actually really. I'm not a big fan of mulberries. Mm-hmm. Oh, but, I love
1: them, but okay. but when
0: you mix them, when I mix them with the wineberries, yep. it was really good. And the wineberries alone, I think the combination. But anyway, I digress. Do you know how many calories you probably do are in ten mulberries? Uh,
1: I'm guessing that it rounds to zero, like ten. Six. Okay. All right. Six. Yeah. Ian nailed it last time.
0: He
3: was like six. I'm like, how did you know (laughs) that? But, uh,
1: ten. Uh huh. Wow. That's a a
0: small handful of berries you're going to shove in your mouth. Six calories. Right. You will not, there's, there's no amount of mulberry you're going to eat to sustain yourself for even a few hours. Right. And so, you know, naturally occurring fruits and stuff, people don't realize, uh, I'll, I'll tell you this story. And this, this plays into exactly what I'm saying. I had friends during Occupy Wall Street granted farmland. Mm-hmm. How long do you think? Let me ask you. How long do you think they last that they, they made it? So, so they went out there and tried to start. They, they farming said, from scratch. they, they said we, we don't want to be on the grid. We're tired of contributing to this. This this machine of pollution and climate change. So we're going to the farm to live sustainably. Uh, three um, days a week. Two weeks. OK. Two weeks. Well, uh, Mo- you know, I'm impressed. Most people <laughs> say like a couple months. No, no. <laughs> a few <laughs> days. You not <laughs> even give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, two weeks. OK. You know what they realized? Mm-hmm. I asked my friend. She was like, I was like, why'd you come back? Mm-hmm. She was like, because I'd wake up at six a.m. to work, go to bed at at midnight. Yep. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> what did you think farming was? When when you are actually trying to sustain
1: yourself, you never stop working. Right. Right. And and this gets into you know people have said you know to me, oh you know if, if we had a collapse of it, you'd love it. You know, and like no man. Uh, right now, it's a very, very hard hobby that I do on the weekends with lots of diesel fuel coming in from outside. (laughs) If that diesel fuel went away and, you know, I tried to make a producer gas still, uh, using old FEMA plans and started logging trees to make producer gas to do stuff, you know, it's better than starving to death, but, uh, that's hard work. But you know what I did this morning? Mm -hmm. I
0: went out and I grabbed some fresh jalapenos Mm -hmm. and a poblano and some, some cherry tomatoes. And then I, I went to the chicken coop and I got a couple of eggs. And mm-hmm. so, uh, one of our, our chickens is, I guess she's young, so she's doing double eggs. Mm-hmm. Like, they're yep. twice as big. They're massive. Right. And, uh, I would say, to be fair, ninety nine percent of my breakfast was completely homegrown. Yeah. But and, I threw in some
1: garlic powder. And, and and people like to say, you know, and it's so much healthier. I'm not sure it is healthier, but man, it's so much more satisfying, isn't it? That's just amazing. We we're like, this all came from you here. You know, to be honest, um, I'm not a
0: big fan of like throwing peppers mm-hmm. in eggs. Like if I went to a restaurant I ordered I'd be like, Give me the bacon and the eggs with extra mm-hmm. cheese on top. But today, I had cherry tomatoes with fresh-cut jalapenos poblano on eggs, and it tasted so
1: good. Nice, nice. You know, that is one of the most satisfying things, and we've done all sorts of stuff. Um, you know, we've made corn fritters. We've uh, uh, made maple uh, syrup creme brulee from maple trees that we've tapped, and I boil oh, wow. down the sap and make my own maple syrup. Um, I, I, I push back on homesteaders who say everything tastes better. Like, no, you know, some food at, you know, whole foods in the supermarkets tastes really good. The one thing that, uh, comes from the farm that's just absolutely amazing is homemade bacon. And, you know, I'm not going to say it's 10% better. It's 20% better. Homemade bacon is like literally 10 times better. Like you just don't want store made stuff. We, we, we've got farms around here Uh and so we, we have
0: gotten fresh bacon, and it is indescribable. Yeah. Right, like I, I, don't even want the store bought stuff. Right, right. It's I mean, a, it, it's it, not the same. Yeah, it,
1: it's a pale imitation. It's like turkey bacon or something. <laughs> it's like turkey bacon. Yeah. And, I, and if I can plug my own book again, oh, yeah. I've got tons of details on how to make your own bacon from scratch, and you can do it even living on the suburbs. I started making.
0: Is it is does it, it, it is it just take pig cut? Well, pig? it does. Yeah, <laughs> I mean
1: the ingredients say you know uh, you need you know salt salt man um, and you salt. need uh, <laughs> and you need pig and you know for pig see page four fifty eight. Um, but uh, you can so, so practice a bunch of the stuff living in the suburbs. You can buy a whole pork belly from the butcher and do it at do home. You, do you think people who live in cities should escape the cities right now? Um, you know, so one of the things I've got in the intro chapter is you know here's a three year pl- here's a one year plan. You're you're ready to move. What do you need to do? Here's a three year plan. And one of the things I have is a ten year plan for young adults because I've had a lot of you know friends on Twitter who are twenty two or twenty six ask me. And, you know, I've said on the 10-year plan, don't move right the second. You know, the cities aren't about to collapse tomorrow. What you need to do is uh, learn a skill. You need to learn some stuff, and you need to find your mate. Um, it's a lot easier to meet people in the city than it is out in the middle of nowhere. So you don't think I, – I think people should be getting away from cities immediately. Okay. Well, that, me. I, that, I, that's you know, going to help no. me sell the book. Uh, so <laughs> I agree, Tim. I've never heard an idea that's so right. <laughs> with,
0: with, with, You know, you look at how the, the law is being enforced. Uh-huh. Um, it's, it's been referred to uh, – I know Mike Mike Cernovich tweeted about this. I think um, maybe Michael Malice may have mentioned it, anarcho-tyranny.
1: Absolutely. And those are two good followers. I follow both yeah. those guys as well.
0: For those aren't familiar, anarcho-tyranny is basically that the government doesn't enforce the crimes and, and petty things that are negatively impacting your life. You're being robbed. But they do enforce anything that uh, goes against them in any way. Or the
1: powerful elites. Yeah. So and absolutely. That's, that's, Arson during riots, well, that's just a bit of vibrant democracy, you know, that, that went, to, you know, 2% peaceful. too far. Peaceful. But on the other hand, you know, some white collar guy has a pistol that, you know, isn't known to the attorney general to have all 17 of the checkpoints and, yep. you know, he gets dragged through the system and he's lucky if he, you know, gets off with that jail time after he spent $100,000 on legal fees. I see this
0: as, I see this as being, you know, for the most part where we are. Mm-hmm. I mentioned that you know, Joe Biden clearly isn't speaking to half the country, mm-hmm. and that's a failure on his part. I mean, you look at what uh, Jen Psaki issued, one of the most shocking statements, when she said that they were working with Facebook to oh censor people. Oh, my God, that people. was horrifying. When, when the Biden administration is now admitting that they're working with the DNC to go to phone carriers to censor private text messages, it is it is beyond, it, it is mm-hmm. our anarcho-tyranny. Yeah. There are riots in the streets. The, the crime is skyrocketing. The police are being defunded, mm-hmm. yet the government is coming after private citizens yep.
1: to an extreme degree. There was a great quote, uh, I think it was from P.J. O'Rourke, I read it 10 or 20 years ago, which is that uh, PETA goes after women wearing fur coats and not bikers wearing leather jackets. And I think that's <laughs> part of the explanation behind the narco tyranny You know, I mentioned wow, earlier wow. that I studied uh, Roman history, and one thing in the later days of the empire, the... Uh, Roman political elite wanted triumphs which was a big parade through downtown Rome because it looked great and you'd have treasure and the problem is that to conquer a tough foreign tribe is hard and there's not many of them they're far away so at some point the Roman political elites started waging war against allies and their own provinces um, because it was a way to you know kill a bunch of people and take some treasure yeah Um, and so this ties into a narco tyranny who's easier to prosecute sort of, you know, some, uh, you know, high ranking, uh, you know, corruption or just pick a random white collar guy. You know, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm
0: at this point sick of people who are the frog in the pot boiling, Mm -hmm. who refuse to accept what is happening around them because I've had so many conversations where I'm like, listen, you know, I'm not trying to be a a, a doomsayer. Mm -hmm. I am not absolutely predicting what will happen. I'm Mm -hmm. only simply asking. If everything we've seen over the past 10 years Mm -hmm. has been escalating... Do you think it is more likely that the escalation will continue or that right now the escalation will stop and things will improve?
1: Right. That's a great way to frame it.
0: Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I
2: can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
3: No purchase necessary. BGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
0: But that's, um, so I'm not saying, I mean, uh, quite literally. Tomorrow, Joe Biden could, could, could come out and say, "I want to issue a heartfelt, sincere apology to all of Trump's supporters for everything that's happened in this country, and I want to know that I am here for you, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be sitting down." And you know, he could he could say something. He won't. Right, he, right. What does he say? He says the Republicans' voting bills is the greatest threat since the Civil War. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. no one no one is backing down. And, and, no one and will this, stop.
1: This gets into the rhetoric where Nazi and racist are the ultimate Trump cards. Uh, you know, the Civil War. So this is implicitly putting anyone who doesn't agree. With, you know, sort of every policy of the Democratic Party is obviously on the side of bringing back slavery.
0: Civil war. He's saying it. At mm-hmm. a time when when we have this, this poll coming out, whether the poll is accurate or not, and the sentiment is rising for, for a breakup of this country, mm-hmm. I can only say that a president who would say that is encouraging and uh, he's an accelerationist. Yep. He wants it to happen. Now, I can say this over and over again. I do not want anything bad to happen to this country, and mm-hmm. I think the divide is horrifying because of what will happen with our enemies. hmm the last thing I want is for China to take Taiwan. Now, now, no, right. no, no chips for computers and cars. And China controls that. They gain more control in all of these other regions as they are expanding with the Belt and Road Initiative. Mm-hmm. We need a strong United America. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden, I think, is doing everything to rip it apart.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, um, there was an essay I read once. Uh, uh, I think it was by this guy, Clark Hat, on um, uh, Status 451 blog, talking about the machinery of state and state machines. And the idea is that There are things that can roll forward, but that can't roll back the same way. And you can see it in mechanical engineering with worm gears and everything. And I'm not sure what the output of this is. I mean, accelerationism and the collapse of the United States... Uh, sounds terrible, but if we were in the kind of system where we could back up, we would have already backed up. So I don't know how we get out I, of this.
0: I have talked to so many people um, and I, I mention this frequently, I, particularly in the past week or so with this poll that came out, talk of the city's trap, the MIT study that came You saw that MIT thing? I did not. 1972, MIT said... Was it MIT? It was MIT, right? Uh, I don't know. Oh, I, this I tied into the uh, yeah. waves
1: and I, I think... They we said by early. 2040 society yep. will collapse due yeah, to MIT.
0: these factors and everything like that. And I'm like, I'm, I'm looking at all these things. I'm looking at a vice president who's this is the biggest threat since the civil mm-hmm. war and he said the confederates never made it to the capitol and i'm like wow dude <laughs> you're saying these these trump supporters there were hundreds of thousands of people who didn't go in the capitol mm-hmm. you're you're likening trump's base mm-hmm. to the confederates how could that not be accelerationism but i see this I, i've seen so many people over the past several years tell me i was wrong or crazy to think that we're headed towards some kind of civil conflict mm-hmm. and i'm like bro we're in it yeah we are in it and 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 you know How could we have come to this point? I had a conversation recently with someone who was like, no, no, everything's going to be fine. It's going to calm down. We're all going to go back to normal. And I'm like... Why? Because Trump's going to decide not to run? Because Mm -hmm. Trump's going to just disappear overnight? Mm -hmm. Or do you think 2022, Trump's going to be doing the circuit, promoting people in the midterms, the media's going to find their path towards making money again, and so that doesn't matter what's true or not, Mm -hmm. they're going to go, they're absolutely insane, rile people up to an extreme
1: degree, and then we're going to have three years of that, and you think it's going to be all fine? You know, I I think, uh, so I'm agreeing with your overall thesis, but I think even if Trump dropped dead from a heart attack tomorrow the two tribes have been led to hate each other so much and this is you know uh, fuel Uh, the media loves it Uh, the Democrats love it Um, and because it gets excitement it gets people out to the polls it gets donations the New York Times loves it I mean the New York Times has been hugely more uh, profitable over the last few years than it ever was before Um, and so uh, oh, the, the ACLU is the perfect example. Oh, God. You know, How, they, they used to be wonderful. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. lean more to the right than to the left, but I always loved the ACLU as, man, they stick by their principles. And even I, who disagree with most of the members know, of it, on free speech, they rock. But what happened was they made a bunch
0: of money yep. when they challenged Donald Trump's moratorium on travel from yep. the seven countries, and then they got a bunch of flack over Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. And so they immediately said money's more important than values. yep. yep. And we've seen it with many different organizations. That's the
1: universities. What, I mean, there used to be you know, the concept of academic freedom where, okay, uh, th- this one professor with his crazy ideas you know, disagrees with all decent society, but we respect free speech and free inquiry so much that we will support him in this. And, you know, that was a useful tool until the left could entirely finish their long march through the institutions. But now that they've got it, there's no academic freedom at all. If you want to say anything that departs from the party line by 2%, you can get fired. I look at these nonprofits um
0: and I look at the, the media, and I'm just like, th- I don't think there's a point at which the two different versions of reality ever meet. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a, I love calling this organization Freepress.net. You ever hear of them? Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what do you think they're supposed to be representing?
1: Um, from the title? Uh, yeah. I, I would think the Free Press.
0: <laughs> now, would you be surprised to find out they were advocating censorship?
1: I would not be surprised. That's exactly what they've been it's doing. 1984, man. Yep. they Ministry They came out truth. heavily
0: against Alex Jones, saying he must be censored and banned and removed. And I knew people there. Mm -hmm. And I hit him up and I was like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And they were like, this is important. You know, he spreads lies. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you're the free press. Of course you're going to defend people who will say bad things. So you
1: have to. There's this current uh, push right now to get rid of misinformation. And I'm reading a book. I was reading it on the airplane about the uh, Soviets, how they almost invented the Internet. And they had a couple of networking Mm -hmm. um, uh, attempts in the 50s, 60s, 70s. And they had the whole concept of, you know, cybernetics, which came from the U.S. And uh, then the Soviets were playing with it. And there was one part of cybernetics and information theory and Claude Shannon and everything that immediately had resonance with them. And that was static or noise in the system because it fit into their ideology. You could talk about information on the one hand and noise on the other. And that was chilling to read this in the book about the Soviet internet attempts of the 1970s, because we're hearing it every day. With oh, of course we have free speech, but not for misinformation. And like, oh man. And did you see what uh, um, was it NPR said that the truth n- with not proper
0: context is misinformation. Wonderful. So, what's proper context? Right. Framing. Yep. yep. So when the Guardian comes out with an article that says the, the Kremlin seems to have compromised on Trump, or according to a document. <laughs> And then all of these people in the establishment left just read the headline and don't actually read the story. They believe that we have the proof that Trump is compromised. Then you read the actual story. What do they say? It's highly unusual. Suspect. The Kremlin denies it. Trump denies it. And we haven't confirmed any of the documents, but experts think it may be real. Right. Okay, so none of it's confirmed. Why did you publish it? But if you read nothing but the headline,
1: mm-hmm, there you mm-hmm. go. It's proof. You know, Snopes.com is amazing these days because, uh, we'll have a politician say, you know, the sun rises in the east and, um, you know, and then Snopes will say, you know, this is absolutely false without more context because actually the earth is rotating and the sun stands right. still. Right. Like, <laughs> oh, man.
0: Well, the way I always describe it to people is that what they'll do is, there, there'll be a video of Donald Trump doing a backflip off mm-hmm. of, you know, a, a balcony and landing perfectly in a superhero pose. Everyone will share the video and it'll go viral. It'll mm-hmm. get 10 million views and every conservative will say, wow, this Trump is spry, you know, for a <laughs> 77 year old man. And then Snopes will say, did Donald Trump do a perfect backflip <laughs> off of a balcony and land in a superhero pose? On Sunday.
3: Mm-hmm, right. And then they'll
0: say false. <laughs> yep. Then it'll give you a bunch of exposition garbage. Mm-hmm. And like on Saturday, you know, the 15th, Donald Trump was giving a speech. Yeah. And then tr- finally. Trump, a known liar. So, finally. Yeah. Exactly. W- without evidence, had made these claims. And finally at the bottom, after five, six hundred words, it'll say, while Trump did do a perfect backflip <laughs> and he did land in a superhero pose, it was on Sunday uh, it was on Monday at midnight. Right.
2: Which is not Sunday. Right, right. Which in Eastern time zone is not Sunday. Yeah.
0: Exactly. That's the game they I've play. I've been thinking
2: about how we we were talking earlier about how it's not a linear- we're talking about the accelerationism, mm-hmm. essentially, and it's not linear. It's like- it's kind of like a J-curve. Right. Which right. makes me think of that it's the beginning of an amplification wave that may come back down so maybe it's not going to keep going. Maybe, you know, every exponential curve is an S curve once you get to the end of it. And so yeah. what's, what causes it to amplify greater is coherent interference. We've mm-hmm. got like all this fake news mm-hmm. saying the same stuff, creating this amplification wave. If we create some sort of decoherent, decoherent interference, mm-hmm. uh, maybe we can reduce the amplification and slow the acceleration. It seems plausible. Um, you know,
1: I tend to, I, I I've gotten sort of, apolitical or post-political or something over the last couple of years, uh, not because I don't think politics matters. You know, th- this is fascinating stuff. And I love to sit here and analyze it. Um, and I love to, you know, sort of go back and read old oh. books and see what, you know, uh, correlations we can get. Um, but I think these systems are huge. And by systems, I mean sort of, you know, I, I'm pro free market, but capitalism at this point is this massive, you know, sort of headless monster with seven billion <laughs> people in it and you know capitalism is going to do what it's going to do it's, it's like evolution you you know you get perfect sharks uh you may or may not want a shark but it doesn't matter and mm-hmm. you know you get the perfect facebook you get the perfect yep. uh you know etc and you get the perfect democratic party and you get the perfect republican party so it's only a matter of time we get the perfect movies yeah
0: movies have whittled down to the lowest common denominator yep. of giant robots blowing stuff up yeah yep. it used to be like groundhog day you know yeah it's gonna yeah. be yeah. perfect but, like you're like and, and so I saw
1: my it. response to this is mostly to just pull back and disconnect and so you know i've got my friends i've got you know uh good old books that i
2: read Goats. um yeah i think, think this is the decoherent interference yeah. talking about things that aren't in that narrative is creating a decoherence which is reducing the amplification
0: yeah well let's take super chats and see what the audience has to say if you haven't already give that like button a nice little tap subscribe to this channel leave us a good review on those podcasts and uh, go to timcast.com become a member for the members podcast which comes up around 11 p.m every night and uh, that's usually where we talk about the things that youtube bans you for but We'll we'll see. Sometimes (laughs) we are just chill and fun. Let's see what we got. All right. um, I don't think I can read your name, Anna. We'll just say Anna. (laughs) No one cares about France or Australia. American freedom is dying. Everything else is irrelevant. Well, you need to understand that France and Australia could serve as a canary in the coal mine. Mm. France is a nation that is very rebellious, to say the least. And they're also having extremely draconian laws. Australia is, you know, a British commonwealth, not too dissimilar from the United States in certain ways, but they don't have a Bill of Rights, so... We can thank our lucky stars when we see these countries and the bad things that happen. Ireland passed uh, vaccine passport stuff recently. So the Bill of Rights, thank your lucky stars, but I don't know how much longer it's it's going to keep protecting us. All right. Let's see. Oh, what's this? David Casada says Tony Hawk came out of retirement and you're not a real skater if you don't <laughs> talk about it. Well, um, good for Tony. He is uh, one of the uh, best skateboarders ever, simply by well, he's vert skating for sure. His skating street was always funny because he's like a he's a vert skater guy. But uh he's a legend. I mean, he invented so much of of skateboarding. However, I think at his current age, I don't see him competing with mm-hmm. like Ge Curry who just did a 1080 uh, for the first time in a competition. 12-year-old kid. T- Tony Hawk's Twitter game is
1: pretty good. I like him.
0: To- Tony Hawk's Ooh. Twitter game consists of him <laughs> not being recognized by I people. For I movies. wonder what Tony Hawk
1: is doing right now. This.
0: <laughs> right, right. I, I do love it where they're like, hey, your name's Tony. He's like, yep, like, like that skateboarder. Tony Hawk is it. That's right. I love those tweets. They're hilarious. Absolutely. <laughs> he discovered that he's famous, but no one knows what he looks like.
3: Uh,
0: no, some people do. All right. Hayden says, Travis, great to have you. I just bought 40 acres of mountain forest land, and I'm realizing I will need to clear dozens of 40-foot trees to build and have a garden. Awesome. Do you have any – do you have advice for starting with totally raw land 20 miles from town? Now, uh, real quick, I also have uh, uh, about an acre with tons of trees on it. And uh, your advice on yeah. how to deal with it.
1: Uh, you know, I, I don't want to sound too much like a shill, but um, I've got an entire chapter on exactly that. You start with a forest and you want pasture there. What are the, like, 17 steps? And uh, the short version is you're going to log those trees. You're probably going to have an excavator come in to pull out the stumps. Uh, then you're going to do a soil test. You're going to amend the soil as necessary. Um, and there's a lot wow. more, but it's absolutely doable.
0: But that's not doable by by well I mean, for the most part, we're talking yeah. about modern technology. Mm-hmm. in a functioning economy yeah. to make this happen. Um,
1: so, you know, the, the way that this was classically done in colonial America is that you would um, debark the trees and then they would die and then you could farm uh, in between them. Um, and you could even log as you got time. You know, people tend to log in the winter. That's when I do my logging because it's a lot easier to skid the logs out to my firewood pile using my tractor on top of snow because it, mm. you know, sort of lubricates and it also protects the And it's easier to see, right?
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and you don't have to deal with all of the leaves on the trees. Uh, so... You know, you, you can do this uh, all at once by, you know, throwing a lot of money at it, or you can make it a 10-year project, and uh, there's tons of good firewood there. There's a rule of thumb that you can pull one quart of firewood out of one acre of forest uh, per year sustainably forever, um, and so uh, there's that. But also, if you want to log it all at once, there's a huge amount of firewood there. You can also call in a logger. Uh, he might do it for you, but he might want two-thirds or three-quarters of the wood, um, and that's all covered. It's a huge topic, and it's fascinating. I love talking about forestry and logging, and I love doing it. Cool, cool.
0: JM says, hey, Ian, I was just thinking about the time I was in a
1: drug-induced coma. I'm pretty sure I saw interdimensional beings. What do you think? Totally possible. You ever take psychedelics? I have been fascinated. I never have. But, man, I'd like to meet the machine elves someday. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Rola Koala says, down with communism.
0: We as a nation need less screen time and more community. Service guarantees citizenship. Oh, (laughs) Ian, down with the Fed. I, 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 we need more community. You know, John Stewart said it. And I, mm-hmm. and the reason I cite John Stewart is because that should be a message to the left. He, come on, you like this guy, right? Well, he yep. was like, he, he actually said we needed a draft of some sort.
1: I, I've got a problem with that. Um, you know, I, I, I think that people confuse. Uh, sort of good things that come from terrible things with an overall benefit from it. So, you know, you, you get drafted for a very good cause, which is, you know, uh, fascism is terrible and putting people in death camps is terrible, and then you make a lot of, you know, lifelong buddies and whatever. Um, but right now, most of the wars we're fighting are absolutely idiotic. And it's always, uh, people who wouldn't be subject to the draft who think that other people need to be drafted. But you he know, wasn't, I don't believe in slavery. He, he and wasn't like saying draft. military draft. Uh, he was saying some kind of community, like, I, I don't want to be drafted to be a social worker and I wouldn't want anyone else to be drafted for it either. There's, there is, there, you know, I thought about this.
0: Um, the challenge is that you end up with a bunch of entitled people and there's, there's a balance. It's not so simple, I guess. Um, The 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 libertarian aspect of it Mm. is leave me alone, let me do my Mm. thing, which is where I usually land on. You know, when it it Mm -hmm. comes to that dividing line. But I also recognize that without a shared community space, is what I was saying. I, I do
1: agree with this. Yeah.
0: If people are online and, like, you know, I'm talking only to, you know, more libertarian types, mm-hmm. but then my neighbors are going to socialists, conflicts are brewing because we live next to each yep, other. Yep, you know, So there's got to be some kind of cult- – you, know, you know, I,
1: I, I do agree cohesion. that shared culture is good. Um, I also think that shared experiences coming out of voluntary behavior are much better. And one final thing on this idea of some sort of civil draft, think about all of the programs and the way they're actually run. No matter how great the theory is, the schools, the DMV – uh, think about how it's actually implemented. And so if we had some sort of social draft, you know that uh, the children of the rich and wealthy would end up being drafted to work in policy think tanks in D.C. with wonderful <clears throat> apartments. And you know that the children of coal miners yes. would be picking up Cannon garbage on the side of the, the road. Captain says, I
0: have a cabin in northern A.Z. and want to homestead there permanently, but I work in IT and need Internet. I have been on the Starlink waiting list for over a year now. I believe the Starlink Starlink is moving from the east coast towards the west coast. I could be wrong. It's just because I know uh, – I met somebody who has got a uh, New York Starlink, and they said that this area is going to get it near the uh, at late August uh, – late mm-hmm. uh, 2021, I, I, they said. So I think they're activating satellite groups, you know, moving in a direction. But uh, I don't know for sure. I will tell you Starlink's amazing.
1: Absolutely. And when
0: when you, When it activates – it works within a 500 mile radius. So my understanding is they want you to keep it in the same place, but as long as you're within that range, Whoa. so we could we could drive like you know half an hour up to up the top of a mountain, yeah. And, have and you know that that's all sort of ahead.
1: policy because the satellites are continuously orbiting past, so you're getting handed off you know time and again, right? Um, you know I I think that Starlink uh, is accelerating in its deployment, <clears> so uh, I think wait a little bit longer, but uh, that's great.
0: All right. Satz says, if you ever wondered why there's dumb failure politicians in office, it's because these people are highly sought after for government because they will say or do whatever they're told, no matter how absurd.
1: Yeah, this gets back to evolution. I mean, you know, they are uh, we breed politicians according to selection criteria, and the selection criteria is electability. And, uh, you know, when everyone has the franchise, uh, that means that the median voter is pretty dumb and pretty uninformed. All right.
0: Let's see. Hulk Mash says, hey, guys, <clears throat> excuse me. First of all, this is my favorite podcast out there. Oh, thank you very much. Also, I use clips of the show for my TikTok. And one of the videos got over a million views. If you ever want to back up TikTok, it's all yours. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, our TikTok got briefly taken down. No idea why. They just deleted all the videos. And I laughed. I'm like, whatever, man. And then um, I tweeted about it. And then it popped right back up. But I'm proud to say that um, TimCast.com, we are officially self-sustainable. There was a big fear for a while that, like, you know, we're we're beholden to all these different platforms. And that if we got banned, oh, no, it's like we can't work. What do we do? So I was like, we got to start a website. We started a website, and now the new website is up. We've got a news crew. Everything that's currently happening with our news writers and our new show and our current level is sustainable just off of the website alone. That's amazing. So the YouTube, all of the stuff we're doing out is, is like our path towards rapid expansion. So uh, Daily Wire can sit there and get smear pieces from NPR because they're expanding so rapidly. <gasps> Don't worry, Daily Wire. We're coming for you. We're going to be expanding. <laughs> uh, no, uh, much congratulations on I the success of for Daily Wire. I can
3: NPR smear piece. Yeah, I know. It's going to be great. <laughs> but, uh, You'll um, know you've made
0: We we're, we're, were just uh, um, talking with a uh, particular individual um, about doing field reporting and journalism. I'll refrain from saying who I guess, but people might, might already know. And uh, we're going to be launching a bunch of different shows, like cultural shows. So um, I'm extremely uh, excited for this. TikTok can ban us. I don't even care anymore. I'm just like, whatever, dude.
3: Yeah.
0: Eric Cecil says, Kyle Kashif is David Hogg driving the speed limit. Okay. I'm not – I think there needs more more context there to understand what Kyle did. You know, but uh, all right. I think, you know, I've been saying this for a long time. The, The right needs to be advocating for, like, guaranteed gun access. You know, I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the idea that uh, universal gun ownership, like the government should be, should have to pay for people's people to have a gun. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Everybody. Yeah, and you know the argument is so long as you know these left says that healthcare is a human right mm-hmm. and that the government should provide everyone with healthcare. The- I'm like, hey, 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 hold on, I, I got, I, I'm down, I'm down. But I think then everybody should have to get a gun from the government. You
1: know, the right has been sort of overly libertarian in a certain way where the left uses the machinery of the state to indoctrinate and sort of set the playing field. And I think that one thing that Trump has started and that other Republicans are seeing is, hey, if we manage to grab the reins of power for two or four or six years, we shouldn't just, you know, pause the expansion of the state and pause the success of the culture war from one side. We can do something with it. And uh, it's going to be really interesting to see that play out.
2: You know, what's crazy is that there are reigns of
1: power at all.
2: I, I, I mean, maybe is that in the inevitable superstructure of the universe mm-hmm. that there think are reigns of power? Do there right. have
0: to be meritocracy exists, whether whether the, the, the communists want to believe it or not. It is a real thing. But so look, look, during Occupy Wall Street, they kept saying we have no leaders. And I was like, they're standing right there. (laughs) I can see them. They're the ones talking to the camera. Uh Well, but they're not really leaders. Yes, but whatever they say, you do. Mm -hmm. You can say they're not formally leaders, but they're clearly the ones who control all the money, who determine when you march, who determine when the meetings happen, and shut down people they don't want to speak.
2: I guess the problem of meritocracy being real is who holds the reins of power isn't necessarily the one with the merit. Well, no, no. Um, I, I disagree to a, certain, to a
0: certain extent. I mean, certainly we can argue that a great leader who is very smart and capable would be the one with the true merit. But in terms of wielding power is the person capable of wielding it. So it's kind of like you said there's a giant rock. Who can lift the giant rock? The person capable of picking it up and carrying it. Or who gets there first. Well, no, not, not really. Or who
2: deceives all the others about where the rock is. Well, there, uh, look,
0: look, look. Could, could, could you, uh, if, if you were, um, if there's a giant rock, you know, let's say, let's, let's, the, the Atlas stone we have. What does that weigh? 160? You oh, guys wow, have. You on. have okay. an Atlas stone, that's awesome. We do, yeah, yeah, well, someone brought it for us. If, if, uh, Ian, if, uh, the rock, Dwayne Johnson, gave you a 10 minute head start, do you think you'd be able to lift the Atlas stone before him?
2: No. <laughs>
0: he'd show up, push you out, step aside, sir, and then he'd pick it up very easily.
2: There are some so, people that are built to carry rocks.
0: There know. are some people who are brutal. how leadership works too? It, it, when, when you look at like Occupy Wall well, Street, power isn't there was, necessarily there was a power right? vacuum. There was a bunch of people there. There was a bunch of interest in funding it. And there was a vacuum in who controlled it until someone said, I will. And everyone went, okay. And then that person took it. By so, saying they wanted it
1: There's an interesting thing here That whoever takes it That's sort of the metric That is uh, uh, being tested for You know Whoever successfully Pulls the sword out of the stone Yeah Or whoever successfully Rises to the front Of the crowded oh. occupy And the mistake The founders make was thinking that whoever could win elections was the best leader or most appealed to the populace. And in a sense, they're right, it most appealed to the populace, but it's a simple test. There's some rule of thumb, and I forget what it is, but whenever you have a metric that's being tested in an organization or in a uh, industrial process, uh, it works for, you know, a minute, and then pretty soon it gets subverted because people start optimizing for the test and not for the true underlying thing, which you were approximating with the test. And I think that's true of democracy.
0: All right. Atari Kid says slavery in the British Empire ended in 1833, but slavery in England ceased after the Norman Conquest. The Somerset case of 1772 ruled that slavery was so odious that nothing can be suffered to support it but positive law. Interesting.
1: I've got one piece of uh, uh, tangential thing there, which is I touch on the Norman Conquest in my homesteading books in the context of how deeds work for tractors.
3: Oh, interesting. interesting.
1: (laughs) JR
0: says you can burn plant matter to make potassium chloride. It's a salt substitute. can also harvest it from animal blood. Oh, really? Whoa. Yeah, I guess they got to have salt in them. So I I'm guess you can get salt that. from deer blood, huh? Uh,
1: true. Um, I make uh, uh, black pudding from pig blood, mm. and it's salty. Oh,
0: blood pudding is that? Yeah. blood pudding. Yeah, it's good. I yeah, I love blood pudding. I, the first time I had it was on is in the UK. Mm-hmm, and you get mm-hmm. like a black disc. Yep, yep. And then I'm like, "What's that?" And they're like, "Blood pudding." And I'm like, mm-hmm. "Cool." I know yep. a lot of people who hate it, but I'm like, "Food's food, man." No, it's decent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Seb says hi from Sweden. First time catching the show live for obvious reasons. Been sub so? since the van videos. Wow, that was like the first video. Yeah, excellent, man.
3: Wrong time. What up, dude?
0: All right. Let's see. Scary Perry says, officially closed on our Florida home today. Here's 10 bucks to celebrate. Ooh, I can't wait to be living there. Goodbye, Seattle. Oh, talk Sweet. about an epic move. Awesome. Congrats. From Seattle oh, to Florida. Hey. <laughs> now, my only issue with Florida is the weather. Yes. But the governance, it's not bad.
1: And that's my only reason uh, issue with Texas. I'd be there if it weren't for the heat.
0: Oh, man. Luke keeps trying to get us to go to New Hampshire. Huh. It's and he said, like, even, even before we came out here, he was like, New Hampshire's way better. And I was like, dude, I, I don't want to be in New Hampshire. It's expensive. There, you know, there's not as much land. It's way more expensive. I'm like, I'll be in the middle of nowhere in the middle of mountains. Plus, like, you know, New Hampshire's surrounded by all these blue
1: areas. There is that.
0: Yeah, very, very heavily, just every direction. Mm-hmm. But you do got water access.
1: Yep, yep. So you got a river. If, if the country partitions and New Hampshire uh, is taken over by Massachusetts, then I'll be a refugee.
0: All right. We got a nice big super chat from F J C about not liking Black Rifle Coffee Company. Oh. Um, YouTube's not going to allow me to read that super chat. <laughs> Suffice it to say, they are very upset with Black Rifle Coffee. As am I. Saying that they don't support patriots who defend themselves against uh, um, bad child abusers, felons and domestic abusers. They say, free Kyle, salty army is legion, the salt must flow, and read. <laughs> yeah, I saw a lot of bad stuff about Black Rifle. Yeah. Because they're basically lumping in, like, the majority of the right in with the most extreme elements. Absolutely. I was Weird. tweeting about, even Weird. earlier,
1: a month or so ago, I saw that I, I think their CEO had donated to a pro-gun control politician who said oh, wow. no one needs an AR-15. So, uh, <laughs> you know, Black Rifle is an interesting marketing scheme, but heck? I'm not yeah. sending them my money.
0: Well, they were able to get uh, a bunch of money from a lot of conservatives. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's see. Anime Freak says you guys <laughs> mentioned a few videos back text censorship. I work in one of the highest departments you can work in within one of the major carriers, and I can say if a law was made, we likely wouldn't bet an eye implementing it. Interesting. Well, the intention of the government is, is, is very scary. John Clapperton says no native of India or any natural born subject of His Majesty shall be shall be disabled from holding any place, office, or employment for any reason, uh, uh, employment by reason of his religion, place of birth. D- descent of or, or color charter of the East India company. Interesting. Very interesting. All right. Let's see. Uh, I see a nice little super chat defending Alex Jones. Okay. All right. Let's see where we got people and making fun of uh, China. Yep, mm-hmm. absolutely. All right. L. Uh, uh, Lissari. Lassari. I've been doing research on helpful weeds. For example, large leafed plantain draws out venom and can be used as a flower substitute. Just to name two uses, I'll, uh, it'll leave you speechless, like the book by Michael <laughs> Knowles. That's out now. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That that's one got me. That edit. genuinely got me. Yeah. Normally, I'm catching the speechless ones, but that one got me. Um, yeah. In terms of
1: like f- like wheat flour, right? It's got mm-hmm. gluten in it. Is there anything
0: else that you could use that's like comparable? Um, you
1: know, uh, there are other flours. Uh, I know that people use acorn flour. I think that the gluten in wheat flour is hard to replace. And yep. I know that rye, et cetera, just doesn't rise in the same way because you don't get the intermeshed gluten.
0: Yeah. All right, let's see. Will Jones says Timmy is controlled opposition. Who else can guarantee a business success? Well played comrade, well played. We like reading our criticism here at Timcast IRL for sure.
3: That is silly.
0: Sandra Nadeau says sorry divorce will not work. I'm not moving, nor will I give up my <laughs> rights. I will stand my ground. Yeah. I hear that. You know, we we have we have conversations about places like Syria where so many people refuse to stay and fight and they fled. Mm-hmm. And I actually interviewed two young men who refused to fight and fled. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you, can you blame them, you know? Be forced to fight for a, for a, this this na- the national army and have your rights shipped away and just be cannon fodder or and, and, and or leave and watch your your home country fall apart. Not easy, mm-hmm. man. All right. Garhant says, Travis, with you writing for Dragon 117, are you buying the new D&D Strixhaven book? If so, are you excited to get your bestie, Frenemy, and who's your prom date for D&D prom? I am Rolf Lemau. Ralph Lamau at, uh, at Hasbro. They are so Kathleen Kennedy in D&D for wokeness. Okay. You, you, so, do, you
1: so, play D&D? Uh, I, I did play back, uh, D&D. Uh, there's some backstory there, which is my, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a writer and my first published, uh, thing was when I was 13 years old and sent an article <laughs> oh, into wow. Dragon Magazine. And that was published in Dragon issue 117. And about 20 years later, I saw in passing that, uh, TSR, which had been bought by Wizards of the Coast, which had been bought by Hasbro, was republishing um, all of the old articles. And I happened to remember reading my contract from start to finish, and the contract said that I was selling first serial rights, which meant that if they ever wanted to republish it, they had to pay me. So wow. I sent a letter to Hasbro and said, "I'm, I'm thrilled to hear about this CD-ROM. Pay me." Um, and Hasbro uh, never responded to the letter They republished the CD-ROM And I sued Hasbro in small claims court For $2,000 Because that was the most I could sue for mm. And Hasbro didn't show and I got $2,000 So that's how As a <laughs> nice. 13-year-old I earned $2,100 I just had to wait 20 years to get Creativity most of it uh, Well and, then And with regards to uh, TTRPGs uh, I live in the middle of nowhere I try to play occasionally online with some friends I hope to do more of that um, i do buy books it's it's fun to just see what 's going on and the crazy insanity s j w stuff in uh d and d uh there's a new um uh, you know, th- there was some wheelchair thing because when people do escapism, what they really want to think about is being disabled. Um, and then the new thing that was announced a day or so ago was some sort of new woke Harry Potter bisexual elves in college campaign right. setting for D&D. Hmm. And uh, I'm just going to quote the meme of the Chinese guy. It's also tiresome. Yes. Wow.
0: All right. Scott Mackintosh says insurance sales is necessary. Insuring your home and auto is easy. Mostly can be done through a computer and automated process. Large, complex commercial industries requiring insurance need a human to underwrite and risk assess. 100% agree, and I, I accept that with the and I will issue the correction. What I meant to say is, there are a lot of people that used to just do like auto. You'd walk in and be like, I want to do auto, and there are still places that do this. Yeah, there's
1: storefronts and a guy sitting behind a desk waiting for you. Yeah, it's crazy. and to me,
0: I see that and I'm like, that's crazy. Of yeah, course, I think they're whips. mostly going away. Yeah, but like, you know, there's still video stores. Actually, they, they wow. need them in places with with bad internet.
2: Yeah, video stores still exist. I hear that car salesmen are on their way out in that, cool. you know, Tesla will send the car to your house directly when like mm-hmm. you go online, yep. you order it online. And a they lot of companies will do that.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that is basically just rent-seeking. Like, maybe at some point it started out, um, but rent-seeking is an economic term and not rent as in a reasonable thing where you're trading money for use of land, uh, but rent where someone just interjects themselves in a transaction and peels their slice off the top and there's no way to get around <clears throat> it.
2: Like a banker.
0: All right. Tim Decker says March 9th for the win. Why? That's my birthday. Is it your birthday? 16 year, three, uh, three M mile, uh, trucker here. The left has made trucking into cities a loss leader with fuel costs and regulations. Drivers already refuse loads to the coasts. Consider that. Yeah, man. You know what I think's happening? Mm-hmm. You know, we were at an ice cream stand the other day and there was a huge line and everyone's buying ice cream. And I thought to myself, how many of these people got jobs? You know, cause a lot of people are getting unemployment. So what does that mean? They're being given money mm-hmm. and then they're extracting resources from the system without replacing it. Basically, it's kind of like, I was thinking about we have a slushy machine downstairs, you know? And uh, um, when it's full, it's full of slushy, but you got to keep putting slushy in. Mm-hmm. Eventually, the slushy runs out. Well, what, what, well they're so printing slushy. That's what happens? No, no, they're not. They're not. What they're printing is access to pull the slushy lever. Mm. And when you do, when we go to clean the slushy machine, we have to empty it. So we hold the thing open and drain what's left of the slushy and let it all pour out, and that's what feels like is happening. Mm. It's their emptying thing. The Great Reset. Mm-hmm. This, the economy and everything is being stripped of resources very slowly, and then eventually it gets reset, filled with hot water and cleaning solution and scrubbed out, and then something else is put inside.
1: You know, I'm going to go with uh, inflation, or at least argue for it a bit. And one interesting thing is I wrote the first draft of this book about three years ago, and I've been working on it very slowly. And then with COVID, I thought, now's the time. Let me, you know, turbo through it and get it done. And so I ended up going through the parts that I'd already written. I ended up checking prices where I said, you know, this rototiller to mount on your tractor is $2,000. And I went back to tractor supply. And it's 2500 And, yeah. you know, this chicken fencing is $12. And I, you know, go to Lowe's.com and it's $19. There has been a lot of inflation going oh, on. Oh, man. And I used to laugh at these nut job conspiracists who were saying there's stealth inflation. It's not showing up in the figures. But, uh, you know, I don't know, man. I stumbled into it myself. I think it's real.
0: All right. Let's do uh, – let's get a couple more in uh, as many as we can. All right. Let's see. Lone Star Carper says, Tim, I gave you a super chat. Maybe – Your first when you played a Trump video game on this channel. Great guest tonight. Love and enjoy the show nightly. Oh, there was a fighting game that was made in the, uh, I wonder if that would get you banned at this point. It was a, it was a fighting game where it was called like Andrew Yang for President or something. (laughs) And it was, it was actually really fun. And really, I was surprised at how offensive it was because uh, Elizabeth Warren was wearing Native American gear (laughs) and she would make stereotypical, like an offensive, you know, sounds sounds and Mm -hmm. stuff. And she, and her super move was to like summon a giant bowl or something. And so it was really just like... But I guess it was making fun of her for being racist, so it's okay, whatever. And then, you know, Donald Trump throws money as his, his special move or whatever. <laughs> it, was, it was actually a really fun, fun awesome. game. Yeah. All right, let's see. Oh, uh, Where are we at? Chelsea Nelson says, My husband is a composer, arranger, and is interested in working with you. He's emailed you a few times at jobs at timcast.com. DerekNelson.com. Thanks. I will take a look. We may have someone, though. We may. We may. We'll see. Jack of Blades says, play D&D with me, you cowards. What's a good way to get in touch with you for your podcast so I can introduce you to the woke psychic brain rat collective imprisoned by vice a la Planescape? Um, I suppose pitches at TimCast.com. Yeah, so one of the shows we're going to do is a weekly D&D. Awesome. Series, and we want to do a campaign that's based around, like, modern political ideas but implemented through D&D. Very cool. And then just see
2: how people... Play and what, mm-hmm. what, how they try and resolve some of these situations I playing play a, a bunch bit. of Neverwinter Nights today to get mm-hmm. re-familiarized with 3.5 mm-hmm. 3.5 yeah the rule set yeah. 3.5 one
1: writing project I want to do someday is write a uh, RPG based on the Aristillus science fiction novels so I've got infinite <laughs> writing projects for the next 10 or 20 years
3: what's the Aristilus? Uh
1: the science fiction novels that I wrote that I was talking Ooh, about earlier oh so.
3: yeah dude
0: Oh, what's this firepower fantasy says, Hey Tim, I mainly wanted a super chat to support your content, but I also have to ask, do any of y'all have some recommended reading? You know, I would recommend you check out "Escape the City" oh uh, and volumes one and two. <laughs> I was gonna
3: say, we, we have should a cover. recommend these. Yeah,
0: Travis—it's uh, literally his books. Actually, I'm really excited that
1: that you have these. Those you're cool. you're going to give us those books,
0: right?
2: Absolutely, that's epic, dude.
1: Because we yeah. we definitely need them. Tim, I will not only give you a set of these books, I will give you a set of wool socks from my sheep. <laughs> oh,
3: that's Let me cool. see this.
1: These are literally yeah.
2: from your sheep. Yeah, like you sheared it and yeah, exactly. knitted the yep, wool. Literally,
1: oh, I, I outsourced the knitting. Wow. Oh, you outsourced the knitting. Yeah.
0: You ever see that uh, that video of the what were they call Shrek
1: the sheep that like yeah 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 yeah
0: and it was just a massive right. mass like wow they survive mm-hmm. but you have to shear them right otherwise they go
1: so most sheep yes uh, we have a more primitive breed of sheep um, and actually uh, there is pictures of them these are Icelandic oh, sheep oh, and cool. uh, so you know the, these pictures are from my farm uh, I forget the name of this sheep and uh, you know again this is you know 200 feet from my house in one of the pastures that, where wow. I keep sheep. Beautiful. Um, I so, just I
0: don't even understand like looking at this like how did this come from a
1: sheep? <laughs> right, right. But I know it's where it comes from. Yeah. Uh you know it it starts with uh, my wife opening a star doll, stall door in the barn and me wrestling the sheep out and uh <laughs> it, it ends up at a year and a half later you and got, I'm wearing a, a set of uh wool socks myself which you is You got to like,
2: grab their legs. Like I watch videos of yeah. people shearing sheep and it's pretty intense. Like right. got right. like r- tie yeah, legs um, up or uh, you
1: don't have to tie them up um you know there's this wrestling thing that if somebody's feet are off the ground there's not much they can do so you uh right you, you flip the sheep onto its butt um and yeah that, that's how we uh <laughs> do the shearing and they also get a bunch of vitamins injected sort of you know vitamin paste behind their teeth and they swallow it and they get a shot hmm. um and there's a, a process we go through a couple times a year i saw that thing where there was like baby sheep on a conveyor belt you ever see that they're like sitting in a slide i did not Oh,
0: it was like they were giving shots, like vaccinations. Oh, or neat, neat, neat. And so it's like they're all just sitting there with their feet up and they slide forward and then they fall in a thing and then get dropped to the, <laughs> the ground and they run away.
1: Uh, things were a bit more earthy on our farm. Um, I have a couple of times pulled a, uh, baby lamb out of its mother Whoa. and,
3: uh, and exciting.
1: once when there was a breech birth, uh, I loaded a pregnant, uh, uh, ewe with a lamb half coming out of her, uh, into the car, uh, cause we don't have a truck right now, drove her next town over to a vet. So, wow. uh, yeah, we, we need a conveyor belt. That sounds mm. better. In terms
0: of books, though, I'll uh, shout out to Michael Malice's book, The Anarchist Handbook, and Michael Malice's Speechless, which they're always tricking no, me into. Michael Knowles. Michael Knowles. Yeah, the other Michael. Michael Malice's Anarchist Handbook, and Michael Knowles. Too many Michaels. Too many Michaels. And uh, what, 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 are, what are the Carol books? Carol Roth's The
2: War on Small Business yeah. looks incredible. Oh, yes. I still haven't read that, but The War on Small Business. And yeah. Jack Posobiec's
0: uh, The Antifa. Antifa. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Antifa book. Behind yes. the Black Block, yeah. Dot com. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Andy Knows, Unmasked. Mm-hmm. And is uh, anybody, anybody else we need to shout out? Maybe I, You know,
2: I, have, I still haven't read The Creature from Jekyll Island. I hear it's phenomenal if you're interested in the history of the Federal Reserve.
0: Neat.
3: Oh, cool.
0: All right. We'll do a couple more here. We got Taylor Ludkey says, third generation almond grower. Tim, take it easy on the almonds are terrible for the environment tweets. <laughs> almond prices don't need to be beaten down anymore. Going to have to cancel my Timcast membership if this keeps up. I don't think I tweeted that. I think I said that almonds consume tons of water. And so the risk is when California's in a big drought or if this economic problems, almonds are on the chopping block, which is said I love almonds. Okay. Especially I, chopped like almonds. Alman, I like kind bars. I got almonds all up in them. Oh, so good. All right. Here we go. Deus Flex says to provide context for Kyle Kashev, adult actress Brandy Love was kicked out of a TP USA event by Social Conservatives. Kyle not only approved, but went on to disavow libertarians and called small government a fantasy. Yes, the uh, this is hilarious that there's actually a battle happening over this. And maybe we'll, I think we'll maybe get maybe we'll get into this in the bonus segment. I don't know if we need to, but I am much more libertarian. I think the conservatives are losing tons of allies over this. I certainly understand what the conservatives are saying. I think I think adult films generally bad for people the way it's kind of gone out of control. But at the same time. Small government, man. You let people live and let live, and you got to build that coalition I'm pretty and, sure. and, and support people. when Like, find out where you agree with people, and you need those allies in that great battle. Yeah, Chrissy Mayer
2: just did a podcast, yeah, I believe, with uh, Brandy Love
0: today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right on. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't already, give that like button a smash, subscribe to this channel, share with your friends. You can follow us at TimCastIRL on Facebook and Instagram at TimCast underscore IRL on TikTok. Help share our videos and like them so we can leverage those networks. Get more people to go to TimCast.com and become members, which is the website is growing. It's taken off. We got some bugs, so apologies for that. But go to TimCast.com, become a member for that members only podcast. New shows on the horizon. You guys got to check out Shane Cashman's articles because he's writing about um, you know mysteries and stuff, but these are legit like investigations into real world phenomena. We're not talking about like some some story where a guy claims he went and you know his his apple pie was actually an alien or something. Like he writes a story about what's happening with these birds that are going missing, and so uh, there's a bunch of stories about crows falling from the sky. These are legitimate stories, and then he's you know you know asking the experts, talking to government officials to figure out what's going on. And he did one that was really great, investigating a a a, a death. And in West Point that he knew about and it looks like it might be a cover up mm. so it's fun stuff it's fun stuff it is it's it is more like spooky story-esque but it is real stuff it's not it's not fiction it's not speculative I am no fan of people being like I swear there was a ghost and I'll prove it and they're like I care about people who are skeptical but interested in those mysteries so check that stuff out there's a new show coming on that soon we're going to be working on it in the next couple of weeks to have a full podcast and uh, you can follow me personally at TimCast now we just uh, shouted out a bunch of your books, but you want to mention your sure. sci-fi books as well.
1: Uh So my first and your social f- media too, yeah. Great. Uh, first science fiction novel was "The Powers of the Earth," and it won the Prometheus Award in 2018 for best libertarian science fiction novel. Uh, my second novel was "Causes of Separation," the sequel to the first one. Um, and it also won the Prometheus Award the next year. And I think this is the first time that uh, an author won it two years in a row. And I think it's the first time that maybe self-published books uh, won it. And uh, this is a saga uh, set about 50 years from now about small government people and really kind of a great divorce thing that we've been talking about this whole time. Uh, you know, there's this concept of loyalty, voice or exit where you disagree with someone. You either act loyal to them and swallow your objections um, or you speak up in sort of a democratic way or you just leave. Uh, my personal preference is just leaving. Uh, so this is a novel about that. It involves lunar, uh, colonization. It involves, uh, artificial intelligence, anti-gravity, uh, genetically uplifted dogs, and it's all fairly hard science fiction. It's not, uh, Ooh. you know, uh, the force and lightsabers and stuff. <laughs> Fantasy uh, stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know they've got something on the order of five hundred four and a half or five star reviews, so it's decent cool. stuff. And if you like science fiction, please They're give big it a shot. Too. Yeah, uh, I, I don't write small books. Um, <laughs> I like big books, and I cannot lie. Uh, well, so. if for
0: some reason HBO, uh, you know licenses for a tv show just make sure you finish the books before right uh, oh, I, I,
1: I think my opinions uh are, are such no, that yeah. i would <laughs> never have a major media deal i, I think uh Timcast uh yeah. is, is where i belong maybe we'll have to do it we'll, yeah you
0: know what i was thinking of doing is taking a room and making the entire room a green screen mm-hmm. because then you can make movies about anything mm-hmm. or project green light on the walls all around because then i think <laughs> that's we could harder too. we can just paint a room green and put lights on. i'm so into this uh, well, Ian, you have a website or I something. I do. It's iancrossland.net. And I'm at Ian
2: Crossland. Travis, thanks for coming, man. I love talking thanks about for having me. This the systemic, is a great systemic time. transfer or
1: alterations that are potential. Yeah. And PV equals NRT. We'll talk about that yeah. more yeah. We're talking about inflation <laughs> and
2: uh, free energy. That's yeah.
3: right. Sounds good. And you guys are more than welcome to follow me on Twitter at Sour Patch Lids.
2: We will see you all over at
0: TimCast.com in the members podcast coming up around 11 or so p.m. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you then. Bye.